Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and by my sixth podcast with Av, he'd already named both my balls. Ooh, did I just share too much? A smidge. And I'm Av Sinensky, and I have too many jokes! Must mock Chester! Welcome back to Pretty Good Friends, a friend's podcast between pretty good friends. Uh, we are here today to discuss season one, episode 10, the one with the monkey, which originally aired on December 5th. 15th, excuse me, 1994. I should know the 15th uh, of December. That's my dad's birthday. Yeah, but I don't think my dad was uh, celebrating with a monkey. And we got to talk about like the regulations or lack thereof in the New York City of Friends because apparently you can have, um, you know, wild uh, animals like monkeys and just, you know, hanging out in apartments and walking the streets and taking the subway with no consequence, which is a surprise to me because you see much in New York, but I don't frequently see monkeys. Yeah, well, we had... um an incident with another animal that's mentioned this episode our neighbors for some period of time had peacocks that they were raising or i don't even know what the hell they were doing with them um maybe they were having them fight each other i'm not really sure but we were not a fan and we you know came across the fact that it was actually illegal to have this particular type of peacock in our neighborhood and uh let's just say there's no longer any peacocks my parents once um, we were driving back from from the camp I went to in uh, rural Wisconsin back to Minnesota, and we along the way we passed the lowest class of uh, of quote unquote zoo that you could ever imagine. It was it was almost like like th- this would make Tiger King look like the San Diego Zoo. It was like a couple of trailers with like animals, and it. it was very very sad looking. And then they were they were like selling peacock feathers at like the little gift shop, and they had peacocks who didn't have any feathers. And so as a child, I said, well, this seems a little bit disturbing. It seems like you have picked the peacocks to sell the, to, to sell their feathers. And the person's like, no, 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 they, they fall out naturally. I'm like, oh, really? Because I haven't seen a lot of bald peacocks. But yeah, I don't think those ones were regulated either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what I'll tell you is when we like started talking about and thinking about and like looking into possibly doing a friend's podcast and I started like, you know, thinking about all, you know, the characters and the guest characters and the various plot lines. I completely forgot that there was this thing called Marcel. Oh. Um, and let me tell you, I'm not a big fan of Marcel. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, t- to me, the whole Mar- the Marcel thing is like one of the most inherently stupid things friends ever did. Okay. And they like beat it like so far into the ground over the course of like this is like for, like I I bet like someone who's like maybe um Alex Orvitz like he thinks it's like oh like Ross got there's an episode where Ross has Marcel and like then that's it you would be very wrong <laughs> Marcel will be with us for quite some time he's gonna be basically the seventh member of the gang okay so we've almost reversed roles from last week because last week you were shocked that I didn't remember the name of the episode anything about the episode from the title of it um 
Well, I, so, well, well, so I yeah. didn't forget, like, meaning, like, if you had said to me, like, is there a monkey on it? Like, <laughs> or, like, what's the name of the monkey? Yeah, okay. Like, and, yeah, like, yeah. I, I would have known. But just meaning, yeah. like, it was just, like, wasn't on my mind at all when I was thinking oh, about Friends. Oh, in, because, yeah, in, in my head, like, when I think of Friends, I think of, yeah, early season Friends is Ross is a monkey for, like, seasons one to five. Like, I think I exaggerated <laughs> the other way. Yeah, well, it's not one to five. I think it's yeah. more like one to three. But, yeah, um, yeah oh, but I mean, it is, it's, it is multiple seasons, though. Okay. It's multiple seasons, yeah. yeah He's okay. around for quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we can, we can talk about it as it comes up, but I just, and I guess, you know, maybe, maybe let's just jump into it because the episode ends and it's just like, it's so far out of left field and meaning like, I guess they're trying to like put you in the position of the characters, except that like none of the characters behave like this is out of left field that Ross is just like walking in. He's like, Oh, I have, I have like a monkey now. Like I live yeah. with a monkey now. And it, 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 it'll get even worse at the party when the children come. Because there is a 0% chance that you show up at a party with a monkey on your shoulder and you and the monkey are not the dominant stars of that party in its entirety. (laughs) But let's pretend hypothetically that for whatever reason, no one at the party cares. The children, the children don't care either. There's children at a party with a monkey. Yeah, I wouldn't like anything as much as children like monkeys. It's just the the it's just the monkey's existence is, is like there's a guy there with a a picture of a monkey on his shirt. In fact, they're even less excited than they would be for that. I think. <laughs> right. All right. Yes. Yeah. It's um. It, it's I mean, a, it's such once, a weird thing. I once brought a hamster on a flight, um, and hamsters are not nearly as unique or unusual in a uh, residential neighborhood as monkeys. And I can tell you, I was the king of that flight um, to my (laughs) great annoyance, actually, because the entire time... King of the dorms, king of the flights. The entire flight, um, I, the children were coming up to want to see the, see the hamster and hold the hamster just the entire flight. And so I couldn't get, you know, watch a movie. I kept getting interrupted. I had to be friendly to these little bastards. And, um, and that was a hamster. This is a monkey. (laughs) It's completely absurd. Yeah. Everything about Ross acquiring Marcel is absurd. The way everybody reacts and like the way he like relates to Marcel and the way that like nobody's like calling him out on that the way that he relates to Marcel is like insane. <laughs> um, it's a, it's I think it's just like one of the most bizarre choices in the entirety of the show's tenure. Like that this was just like a thing for like multiple seasons that just like Ross has a pet monkey and like that's gonna be like our insight into like Ross's like emotional like <laughs> life here um because like he's he's just like the proxy by which we like understand ross for like the first yeah. two or three seasons it's it's very bizarre well so I, I think from the perspective of sitcom in the 80s or 90s trying to get attention you get a monkey right right i mean the fonz literally jumps a shark uh, obviously <laughs> much later but so I don't think it's I think it's like that wacky kind of thing wouldn't have been uncommon in a sitcom. And this is season one and they're trying to juice the ratings. And so I understand it from that perspective. It's not the the introduction of the monkey that bothers me. It says we were saying it's like the way that they relate to him. And yeah, you know, as you said, it, it's almost playing like a proto Ross. I mean, in this episode, the, the joke is basically that Ross wants a romantic relationship with this monkey. Right. As, um, if, as if he thinks it's his sister. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I would say it's more like a, I would say like a father-child relationship, and so I guess it's a it's a hybrid of some sorts. Um, yeah. Certainly, it's a very quick, very intense, really, very un- unrequited yes. love of yes. some sort that's going on here. Yeah. Um, no, I, I shall tell you that 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 aforementioned hamster. The great lengths I went to uh, get this hamster a passport. That's so uh, that's uh, Naki Bojangles. So yes, that, uh, that he could travel um, internationally with me. Um, but then also. Wait, uh, the hamster needs a passport? Not a passport, but it needs a special form from the Ministry of Health. Giving it okay, but it's not like they don't know that it's this hamster. 
I, I could swap hamsters. Yeah, like you could have brought princess. a different hamster, and they wouldn't be none the wiser. <laughs> yes, I, I would assume that's probably the okay. case. You know, like uh, they look at the pictures, be like, "This is not Daffy." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that then then the uh, security comes and then they interrogate the hamster. Yeah, it gets very awkward. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. But then the moment that I had an opportunity to give him to someone, I quickly did because uh, who cares? He's a hamster. Um, yes, but uh, yes, that is not Ross's relationship. The other thing about this episode, I don't remember if I if I texted you this ahead of time. If not, I apologize. D- do you know about the 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 additional scenes in this episode? Um, I know about one of them. I know there's like one at the party um, where like they try to like help Rachel get dressed or something. Um, but what what else is there? So basically, um, the the site that I use for the scripts, because of course I have to read the scripts of these episodes. Um, you know, it's not like I have another podcast where we're discussing all the lines from the entire script reading. Wait, what do you mean you Bible. read the scripts? Like, explain more. I re- uh, it's like a it's I do Shani Mikravach Targum. So you watch once, and then you also re- separately read the scripts. Yes, separate, okay. but also sometimes. I mean, obviously, I have captions on also. But but anyways, the the the, the point of all this is that the site from which I get the scripts. For this episode, noted that there was a number of scenes, and in some cases it wasn't scenes. In some cases, it was literally one or two words here or there. Like you can really see how they edit a TV show. I mean, I know I edit a podcast, which is, I mean, not the same amount of work, but the same concept. Taking a second out here or there, right. um, they there was a longer version, which I don't know why it was it was longer than what the set amount of time NBC told them. But it's on the DVD, the season one Friends DVD, but it was not the version that originally aired on Friends, and I will say it was not the version on um, on on Max.com that I watched. And that you watched, I assume. So it is interesting to me why they have this longer episode. I mean, is that a downside of of the loss at the end of the DVD era that we don't have those options like we did back then? Um, yeah, I suppose. Um, there is a website that has a, like that like describes every deleted scene on Friends. Yeah, but um, but this again, like if if you go look at the script, it's it, there are scenes, but also there's just blue words in the middle of sentences all over the place. Literally. So Two so or three they words just here, took out two like, or three yeah, words just there. To, like just like snapping slimming seconds. Yeah, they were cutting yeah. the time of the episode. But now that it's on streaming online and there's no limitation, I wonder you why th- they you don't. would think they would just do the extended versions. Or, or maybe not because that's not the initial version that people remember from the nostalgia from watching, but at least give the option or like the DVD does, for example, right? Yeah. I don't know two, how that works with like uh what you have you like know, a server you can, space you have, or whatever. Yeah, they have it in Spanish and you know, English, I don't know. Anyway. I yeah, and, and you know that these are the same thing. I have no idea how, how this works uh technologically. Meaning like if they have to like house a, a second version of every episode with the extra five minutes, that's probably use that's well, probably cost them a lot of money. Well ulti- yes, ultimately. And no one's but, like watching this shit. Sure, but but it relative well, it's only this is the first episode that they've done it as far as I know. So um, so I mean, there's I, definitely there's definitely deleted scenes in almost no, every episode. Yes, there's del- yes, oh, there's but del- you mean like the little actually? Like, there's there's yeah. maybe not literally words, but there's definitely pieces yeah. of scenes that are that are yes. cut, have been cut out. In, in, yeah, throughout the series. Yes, so far. There are, yes, there are yes there are deleted scenes. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm uh I'll note where relevant in this episode. But again, okay. a lot of it's just words here and there, so it, it yeah. doesn't really matter. Yeah. But oh, um, but I'll give you an example. The okay. episode opens with ugly naked guy hanging candy canes. Yes, yes, yes. I I read I, I read about that yes. one too. So, do we say is that canon or not for ugly naked guy tracking? Because it doesn't uh, happen in the in the primary version of the episode, but in the world of these characters, does that mean it didn't happen, or is there the alternate universe on the DVD where it did happen? I think we're just gonna go with you know the official, because like otherwise it's gonna be too hard to keep track of. Yeah, we're not gonna, right. yeah. Like let's say if it, it like meaning it did not air on NBC yes. in 1994, right? Yeah. So but then, I would yeah. say, yeah, uh, hanging candy canes, I think on the whole would be decent naked, right? 
um, overall, you know, as yeah, compared mean, to some of the other things. Yeah, it's just basically standing around, walking around. Yeah. Uh, maybe you see a little bit of more armpit than you want if he's reaching, but, you know, right. that's about it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this episode was written by Adam Chase and Ira Ungerlater, and it was directed by Peter Boners. Mm. That's a great name for a director. Mm-hmm. Does this episode give people boners? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking boners like uh, like Merkel's boner, like uh, that he messes up in the directing of the show. That's your go-to for boner? No, but I don't know. <laughs> No, but I don't know. In, in the in the way that it was said in context, that's what I was thinking of. By the way, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, I think I'm just talking about a, uh, one of my favorite pornography films, Merkel's Boner. <laughs> Is there a Merkel's Boner porn? There should be. Um, Merkel's Boner, one of the most famous plays in baseball history in, I believe, 1912, where a gentleman by the name of Fred Merkel <laughs> pulled a boner. He got a boner yes. and, and, and crashed into second base. Yes, and uh, cost his team the World Series. Um, yes. Uh, this is not an NC-17 podcast. We cannot go into further details. No, but we'll, we'll leave it there. Yes. Um, wh- anyway, wh- when, I did, made... when, when did Boner go from like primarily being identified with like a mistake to an erection? Um, like like for, like queer, for example, at some point meant weird. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, I mainly think of Boner as the the friend from Growing Pains. Oh, I don't get the reference because I haven't seen it. But oh yeah, well, there was a character on Growing Pains well, named I, Boner. I, yes. Okay. That's what everyone called him. He's just Boner. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was his nickname. But there um, must have been constant jokes and puns. No, it wasn't. Like, no. it, it, I don't. So, me, so I think it wasn't really ah. the term yet. This was like, I guess, late eighties. Growing like, pains he, is set in the fifties, or it's set in the late eighties. No, I think it's, it was set in current times. Okay. When so, did boner become <laughs> slang for? Yes. Oh, you want incognito mode as you search this? No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Perhaps. You yeah. No, it's much earlier. Um, 40s, 50s, they're saying. Yeah, so they just called him Boater, and nobody made it. I mean, I guess it was yeah. like it was a family show. Um, yeah. Still, you would think someone would have said something at some point. Do you point, think, it, like, do you think Fred Merkel took offense then? Um, Fred Merkel was probably dead at that point. But by the 80s, but he was alive into the 40s and 50s as the the thing for which he's most famous became more associated with penises. Although right. I guess he wasn't worried about his SEO at the time because, you know, there was no Google. I so. wouldn't think that would be on his radar. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I made an error a couple weeks ago. We were talking about the ratings, and I said that once they went above 20 million for the blackout, they would not go b- below 20 million until mm-hmm. like season five or something. Yeah. Uh, there is one exception. That is this episode, which came in just under it, 19.9 million. Now, I um, wonder, and when they were advertising for marketing for this episode in particular were they telling people that the monkey was going to be there that's a, good question. a very furry friend that's a good and, question. maybe not a monkey we should say but making reference to they, these must be on youtube right the weekly promos yeah i was just thinking we should be doing that and we should do it like at the end of each episode we should watch the promo for the next week if we if it exists if that's something we could pull yeah no it, it's i mean i think the main explanation for this dip in the ratings is just the timing of when these episodes were released like we thought you talked about it last week that they they had you know they're going consecutively september 22nd through november 17th then they take a month break mm-hmm. at, and that's when the one with the monkey airs, and then they take another three weeks break, and then and then Crazy. you know yeah. Yes. Um, so this this episode is just kind of like isolated from the entire season. So like, it, of course, it didn't do well. It, yeah, I mean, you know, think of it in any other context. If you have, if school had seven weeks of school, and then a month long vacation, and then one week, and then a three week vacation, what would attendance be in that middle week? It'd be much lower. People, <laughs> right. Especially right. in the pre internet age, you know, people are you know they haven't watched Friends in a month, and they've you know out of sight, out of mind. And so yet the fact that it's still at 19.9 is pretty impressive now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's um, although I guess back then, look, you turned on the TV, you looked in the TV guide, you saw it, and it was there. It's like, oh yeah, this show's back. 
So right. Oh, but I guess I wonder if the rest of the lineup um, aired that night because that would also explain why you know there was just a drop off that they weren't getting that um, you know like the Mad About yeah. You spillover. Let's see, yeah. was there an episode was of Mad About new... You that night? There was an episode of Mad About You that night. Yes, with a monkey. Not with a monkey, but it yeah. did have a special guest star. I will give you a hint. He was indicted yesterday. <laughs> it's not. The, it's not. The, it's not. The, it's not the top guy. No, Rudy Giuliani. It's Giuliani. Giuliani yeah. was in okay. uh, December fifteenth, nineteen ninety four. If Trump was in, it was in uh, an episode of Mad About You. I feel like that would have come up at some point in the last right. Four years. Yeah, um, that's wild. So he was. Oh, so he's. Uh, so the should we call that the Giuliani Club? People that were both mad about you and Seinfeld, <laughs> and indicted. And indicted, yeah. <laughs> and, and also, he was all. He's also an unindicted co-conspirator in a separate yeah. Um, yeah. indictment. But also, also attempted to assault a uh, what he thought was a fifteen-year-old uh, in a movie, which is an yeah, unusual yeah. Uh, club to be in, I think. Yeah. Oh, and also, he's getting sued by the the Georgia woman for uh, you know almost getting her killed. Yeah. But, uh, are, yeah. Yeah. yeah I want to see what uh, what is this about? Let's see. I don't know. Some in view of the New York City hypothetical course, Paul and Jamie are played by turbulent encounters with her and travel across town to have their first meeting with Ira's new girlfriend. All right, it doesn't really explain what uh, Giuliani's role is. Oh, here it says he's uncredited, so I don't really understand what he's doing. So he's not even about. playing himself? I mean, well, no, it says, it says Rudy Giuliani as Rudy Giuliani, but then it says oh. uncredited in presence. Oh, which so I, just I, a cameo. No, but you still get credited. I don't All know. Right, the means. people here aren't here for the Mad About You podcast. Um, maybe they are. <laughs> maybe yeah. the maybe the people listening to Mad About You podcast just you know kept listening, and now we're they're talking about friends. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a uh, long road to hope. Um, but was there a Seinfeld? That's interesting. Let's see if there was a Seinfeld episode that night. Yeah. Cause then because I wonder. Yeah, it'll be that'll be fun to see. I want to see like what what is it? Is it because there, there's like a big debate in baseball, right? There it used to be that. Like a big thing was that like having some a good hitter hit after you in the in the order, like um, protects you in the lineup. Would, protects yeah. you in the lineup and give you pitches and, and give yeah. you good, good pitches to hit and like your stats yeah. will be better. And then the the analytics guys over the last ten years have basically said no, it's actually exactly the opposite. That the the real protection ha- comes from having good hitters hitting in front of you because they get on base and then you get good pitches because nobody wants to you know walk more people when there's somebody already on base and that's when you get good opportunities to hit yeah um, and they but, 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 but also I, I think analytics has uh, now that we're a baseball podcast apparently <laughs> the segue there beautiful that batting order in terms of the the primary advantage is that yeah. the higher up you up in the order the more times right. you have to bat and therefore your best batter should bat one through you know nine pretty much regardless of um you know analyzing speed and, and on base and all these things that you know we used to think about more but but what was how, how what was the analogy that we were getting to the analogy is that it'll be interesting to track what impacts the ratings more the mm. lead in or the follow on is it that people stay or do people just turn on early um because they oh, you know it's for they, sure stay it's for sure stay yeah oh uh, yeah 100% makes sense you, you turn on your tv and then you're too lazy to turn it off Right. But yeah, I mean, there's some amount of people that are just turning on Seinfeld at 850 because they want to make sure, sure they don't, but then, they don't miss you're it. catching a part of Friends, but then you're not seeing the whole thing. Well, I don't know how it works. If you're one of the Nielsen TVs, doesn't that count? Does it count the same? Like you were on the like, how, is it you, you need to be on the whole time or it's just so, like at any point during the half hour? You, yeah, you were on the I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how Nielsen tracks its rating. Yeah, That's me neither. Question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was I, I have Seinfeld. gone down deep dives on this um, before actually the Nielsen thing, but I just don't remember. Yeah. But I, I know I've like Googled like, you know, how, how these families and yeah, all this stuff. Because before there were machines, I think they had to like self-report in the 1950s or whatever. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah, there was an episode of Seinfeld. It was the race. Oh, the big race. Mm. <laughs> 
So as we said, we start out with Ross walking in. Um, we actually first get just like a little like establishing shot to let us know that it's uh, the holiday season. We just you know we see yes. the the um, you know pageantry outside. Can we, and can we can we talk about that right now, right away? Yeah. Just the 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 outfits. Okay. Like if you, if you go to a holiday party. People may be wearing stereotypical, uh, you know, Christmas sweaters. Right. Um, I actually purchased uh, this year for the first time ever a, a you know, quote unquote, uh, ugly uh, Hanukkah sweater. Uh-huh. Um, that was after uh, being told last year, wearing one of my normal sweaters by everybody at the party that I had chosen a great ugly Hanukkah sweater. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So now you just wear that as your ugly sweater. No, I'm saying so. No, I decided to get an intentional one. Like if oh, I see. Yeah. So people won't insult my clothing that I like. Uh-huh. Okay. Fair. Um, but like. It's not, a, it's not an article of clothing that everyone automatically wears every single day at that <laughs> time of year. No, but right? if you want the viewers to know that it's... Yes, but okay, but in the first scene, they're all wearing Christmas attire, mm-hmm. and then also the next scene the next day, and then also the next scene the third day. This is three different wardrobes for our core six, and not not all six in all three, but of those 18 outfits, like... Over a dozen of them are very clearly overtly Christmassy. And it's like, how many Christmas sweaters do these people own? Right. Like Chandler has like like more Christmas sweaters, uh, vests than he has uh, the rest of the year. It's, it's completely ridiculous. Um, but yes, they have to do an establishment stop, um, shot. They have to let us know uh, so that when you're watching it, you know, 23 years later in August, uh, you know, because obviously that night everybody knew on NBC. Um, yeah. So a little bit too much with the uh, Christmas outfits throughout the episode. Yeah. So he comes in with the monkey on his shoulder. And Monica's afraid right away. We'll see that continue throughout the episode. Rachel thinks that he's very cute. And Ross explains. They're like, why do you have a monkey? And he explains that his friend Bethel stole one from a lab, which still doesn't explain why he has a monkey, but fine. Um, well, that's, like, that's kind of how I ended up with my hamster. <laughs> I guess. Someone else acquired it. And then, you know, they were going they dumped, on vacation. They dumped to it, watch it. They dumped it on me. And then, uh, and, you know, and then right. eventually years later, I dumped it on someone else. Now I have a hamster. Yes. Now I'm driving the bus. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Phoebe's like, oh, my God, that's so cruel. Who would name your child Bethel? Which is a good point. A fine name uh, for a temple, but not so much for a child. <laughs> right. Or a yes. um, performing arts center. Yes. Um, there was a Bethel Johnson um, in the NFL at a receiver. And I believe that Chris Berman's uh, nickname for him was Temple Bethel Johnson, actually. Yeah. 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 Well, it's also a name of a city in Israel, as I'm sure you're aware. Um, and Chandler jokes that the monkey has a Ross on his ass and Ross explains that, you know, things have just been like really quiet with Carol having moved out and he could just like use a little company in his apartment. And they're like, like, why do you just get like a roommate, like a normal person? And he's like, well, like, don't you think having a roommate at like a certain age is a bit pathet? Pathets, you know, the Sanskrit word meaning really cool way to live. Yeah. Um, Ross, um, much like Oppenheimer, studying Sanskrit. This ep- this scene is so enraging to me. You reach a certain age, Ross says. They're all in their twenties. I-, I literally don't think I've ever known a single person in their twenties who had their own apartment in Manhattan without a roommate. <laughs> right, With right. one exception, my friend Rob, who you know as well, he had his own place because his family was independently wealthy and owned this place that then he then lived in. 
Right. Um, I wouldn't say I knew zero people. I definitely knew people, but was... like, like oh, in their twenties, yeah. it's one thing if you're like thirty-five or forty-five or something. No, but like... no, I knew people in their twenties. You know, a handful here and there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was sometimes it was like a situation like what you're describing, where it was like a family apartment that they just lived in, and like they didn't didn't cost them anything, so they they didn't feel like having roommates. Um, and then other there were people that like you know they just like wanted to live by themselves, and they paid whatever it was to live by themselves because that was a priority for them. Um, but yeah, it was definitely the exception. And like, they're like, now, not, now to be fair, they're we, like on, we are a like, decade later. And so yeah. maybe Manhattan is cheaper in 94 right. than by the time we're looking, because remember in friends, they, they're all starting their twenties and they're all living alone and there's never any roommates. Right. Like, in Seinfeld. Yeah. I mean, they're like, they're not that old not, not, not only, not only are there no in Seinfeld, they're, they're a bit older by the end. Sure. But when they're starting, they're like about 30 years old, right? They're a little yeah, bit but, this, but but these guys are like 24, 25. Sure. But when we were 30, um, or, and unless, you know, I was married by the time I was 30, but uh, my friends who were 30 who were single uh, still, you know, mostly had roommates. Yeah. I mean, what I would even say is that this is the primary time that anyone has a roommate. Yeah. Like, right out of college. Exactly. And like, fine. So people have obviously have roommates in college, but like, that's like not even really your choice. So it's like you just like have roommates because like you're in a dorm and they put you with roommates. Um, then when like you have the opportunity, but like it's too expensive, like that's when you have roommates. Like this is the time when you're like 22, 23, 24, like you were living in a city before you, you know, get a good job and like really you know, figure out how you're going to like settle down and like you know, be a real person. Like this is the the only time that people have roommates possibly. Yeah. So yeah, we're in agreement. It, it's not that Ross is wrong about the concept of you reach a certain age. Right. It's just that none of them are, have, none of them are at that age. Yeah. No, um, nor I, guess he, well, he, I, I guess he is the oldest of them. Oh, is Chandler supposed to be his age? Yeah. Ross and Chandler are each, the same age, what? Right. One year older than Monica and Rachel. Oh, I was only one year. Okay, fine. Yes. Yeah, so Cause yeah, it's his freshman year of college coming back when it's right. Right, right. 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 Yeah. Could be two um, years, I guess, but yeah. Um, okay, so we go over to Central Perk, a little bit of a reversal this week. We start at Monica's, then we go to Central Perk, and Phoebe has another gig, and she's telling everyone that she has 12 new songs, 11 of which are about her mother's suicide, and one is about a snowman. Chandler's yeah. like, maybe start with the one with the snowman, like, feel yeah. like the crowd first. Although the song we will hear is you know is a christmas song but it's about her mother's suicide so well it's it's the, it starts out and yes. you think she has followed Chandler's yes, advice exactly. yeah. <laughs> um, oh so you're saying does this count as that one or is this one of the oh i see i is don't even know right. is is, maybe yeah. this is the snowman song right yeah. she doesn't even she doesn't in her, in her mind this is a song about a snowman yes um because it like it doesn't start immediately with her mother's suicide it waits you know almost at the end of the first stanza. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Joey joins them. He's pissed because he didn't get the Santa gig. Um, he's been replaced by a guy who's not even jolly. He's just sleeping with the owner. It's all politics. And Joey has been relegated to be one of the helpers. Now, what is this obsession with both friends and Seinfeld of people acting as uh, Santa at the mall? The Santas I see look nothing like Joey or Kramer. <laughs> right um, there's a whole santa con like there's a whole like um um conference of like the, the actually the, the head santa of like this big uh, conference of 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 santas that meet once a year is, i think there was a documentary about it or something i saw i would hope so is ironically a, a jewish fellow who uh <laughs> he, he's 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 a he's a he's a religious jew so is jc huh so, so, so is jesus also true um he's he's a religious like observant jew he's like yeah but you know i, I you know uh, the christmas season is non-denominational and whatever and, and, he, and he like teaches courses on how to be santas and all the santas at the courses are jolly old chubby men with nice beards 
So what kind of like cr- crappy uh, place is giving like fake beards like uh, like Kramer and uh, Joey are trying to wear anyways? I want to know. That's yeah, not well, the Santas I know. If you can pull Joey's Santa's not... beard off. You're not a good Santa. Yeah, that's true. At least Joey's not a communist. Yes. Um, meanwhile, Chandler is like super duper stressed out about New Year's. He doesn't have anyone that he's dating. He doesn't know who he's going to kiss at midnight. Well, 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 hold on. This is Rachel mentions New Year's. Oh, right. Like, She's like, what's everyone doing? For and New the Year's? entirety of the crowd reacts as if she just like farted loudly. It, it's, <laughs> it's so stupid. And it, like, it's offensively stupid to me. Like New Year's isn't Valentine's Day. Let's pretend she said, what does everybody do for Valentine's Day? Then you could understand the trope of everyone. Oh, why would you bring that up? It's so upsetting. Like, like you don't need to have a significant other on New Year's. I mean, it's always great to have a significant other if you want one, but it's not a requisite. And like, who do you kiss when the ball drops? Like, you turn and you, like, I've been at plenty of New Year's parties over the years where like random people are next to each other and okay, they give a peck on the cheek. Like, it doesn't have to be a whole makeup session, which right. is indeed what Chandler will later do at the party going up to different. So <laughs> the whole, this whole premise is so stupid to me. And also, he's anti Thanksgiving, he's anti New Year's. Could this guy be any more anti holidays? Like, come on, Chandler. <laughs> Yeah, what's he in favor of? Yeah, I don't know. So uh, th- this really bothered me. The, the idea of him wanting to kiss him, and that part's fine. But, like, right. how they all reacted as if, like, the mention of New Year's, oh, dumb. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, what, what he comes up with is let's all make a pact. Nobody has a date. That way we're all, like, in and together. We're just all going to stand around like pathetic losers um even rachel isn't on it because paolo's in rome and she's going to be just as pathetic as them um phoebe says you wish and then uh, even like right now when chandler proposes this pact it seems like why not just at this point propose the pact hey listen we're three guys we're three girls like the exact pact that will be proposed later on in the episode right um, if we don't have any dates by new year's we'll all give each other a kiss yeah, yeah great so- sure move on so we get Phoebe's song. I made a man with eyes of coal and a smile so bewitching. And how was I supposed to know that my mom was dead in the kitchen? Good stuff. Good that, was stuff. Great perfor- that was a great performance, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to put that as the clear number one. I like that better than the other song that we got about the, the milk getting sour. The yeah. city has no power and the milk is getting sour. Can we start maybe a patron feed? Where, um, which is just Av singing, uh, performing all of the, all the um, Phoebe songs, the Phoebe songs. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we could just, we could just, I could get paid per song. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Post um, them on iTunes. Yeah. So that's going to be season be one, episode issue. 10. Yeah. Um, are we, are we, how are we, what are we doing with these? Are we ranking them? Are we rating them? Or just the Phoebe songs? Them? Yeah. I don't think we have to compare them all to each other. Maybe we could just have like a, maybe we could just have like a, a reigning number we one. We can acknowledge. By the way, I don't think we need to keep this list. I'm sure our list exists already. Yeah, but, probably. Yeah. Um, so what's the name of the song? We'll just say Dead in the Kitchen. Oh, oh I, I thought it's called uh, – so so because that sort of gives away – I think that the, the beauty of the song is that line one, it's such a misdirection of line two. Oh, so what should we call Eyes of – Eyes of Coal, yeah. Eyes of Coal? Okay, yeah. fine. We'll do Eyes of Coal. Eyes of Coal. Okay, and I'm going to say that's the current number one. That's the best song. Yeah. I mean, we didn't hear more, but uh, we do hear actually. No, we do. The eyelashes. (laughs) My mother's ashes. Um, This um, doesn't seem to be going over well, the song. Even. Also, is it the same song, though? I feel like we're. Oh, by the way, the the name of the song, according to the Internet links, is um, is Snowman. Snowman. Okay. Yeah. What was the other one called? Um, um, We had uh, Snowman, Smelly Cat, Sticky Shoes, Blackout Song. That was Blackout Song. Blackout Song. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Snowman, that's fine. So, yeah, so this is the Snowman. 
song. That's <laughs> this is the song. Oh, there you go. Not, that answers it for us. Yeah. Yes, this is the one not about the mob suicide. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I wasn't sure if we're meant to know that it's the same song that when it when it lapses, like it could be like song number six that she's now on. Oh, that's yeah. also like similar enough and is about yeah. the mob suicide. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so as she's continuing to perform, she notices that there's two guys over at a table talking and it's disrupting her singing. And, um, I, and I'm very, very pumped because uh, whereas you did not recall Marcel per se, I did not recall Hank Azaria. Oh, okay. And I'm a huge Hank Azaria fan. Um, by the way, Ob, do you remember the last time that he was mentioned on this podcast? No. Uh, has he ever appeared on a show or movie that we've uh, discussed on this podcast? That's a trick. Oh. No, the answer is no. Oh, okay. However, when we were discussing Wet Hot American Summer with our friend Aton, mm-hmm. um, uh, from the research I mentioned that while they were filming on site at Camp Tawanda in Honesdale, Pennsylvania, Janine Garofalo saw Hank Azaria's name on a bunk plaque. Ah, and, yes. Yeah, I saw he, that he went there. Yeah, she called him. He had gone to that camp for 10 years and loved it. Uh, she gives him a shout out during the roll call scene in the movie when she says, Amanda Klein, Jessica Azaria. So she gives him a little shout out there. So, yes, he has been mentioned on I, a pretty, pretty, pretty good. I just literally Googled his camp today because I was Wait. looking at his Wikipedia page just to, like, you know, see, like, what, what you know, there's obvious things I remember him from. But, like, what else that he was in that maybe I forgot about and yeah. I saw on there. It's like he attended Camp Tawanda and yeah. like in Honesdale, Pennsylvania. And I'm like, oh, that's like right near like where we all went to camp. So I wanted to see yeah. where it was in relation to like those camps. But that's what you're saying. That's where they filmed what hot. Yes, that is where they found. That's so it, yes. funny. That's so and funny. and and he also was the source for news that um, th- this was before the uh, the Netflix uh, like the sequel comes back. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was said how he would he he would love to be in the sequel uh, if 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 he was available. But he said there'll never be a sequel because they destroyed the campgrounds and uh, in the filming of it, and the camp was very upset. Uh, but uh, Hank uh, turned out to be incorrect about that one. Yeah. So what do you? Unless they so, filmed it at a different location, I don't know. I don't know. What's your take on like how Phoebe handles the situation, <laughs> just like from the outset? Calling out the hecklers, you're saying? Yeah. Well, they're not even hecklers. They're just in a coffee shop talking. Well, so I mean, and this uh, curb has a similar situation, right? Where Larry's dating the woman with Michael J. Fox. music right. in, the, in the hotel lobby. Right. Um, and, yeah. And, so and clearly, Larry was insane there. Yes. Cl- well, Derek's clearly designed to be background music. Yeah. Um, yeah, here, I think, uh, I mean, Rachel quiets the crowd, says, ladies and gentlemen, Phoebe Buffay. It, it seems like this is a performance. But yeah, I came to a coffee shop to get coffee. I didn't ask for a performance. Right. Or is it like, no, now it's a performance and now you're quiet, right? I mean, yeah. there's coffee shops that have like stand-up shows and stuff. And maybe you didn't know about it, but now you're here. You know, you got to shut you got to shut up or leave. So. Right. Well, like I would say a stand-up show for sure. Like that's just like a different thing. Yeah. Um, like but this, here's the I thing. F- it shouldn't be on Phoebe. It should be on Rachel or one of the waitresses. Yeah. Although, What's Gunther just- doing? Hey, guys, quiet down. Yeah, I kind of feel like they're doing nothing wrong, like or or that's possible. Maybe that's why nobody but Phoebe says anything. Yeah, Um, I think in a situation like this, I don't think Phoebe should be the one to do so. Yeah, I think in a situation like this, like you're allowed to like continue. Like you shouldn't be like screaming at the top of your lungs, but like you're allowed to like talk in the coffee shop like this is like you didn't come to attend a concert. Yeah. Or but again, but um, yeah, we don't know. Um, I I was sort of wondering, David and Max, uh, where they're working. Like, you know, they're in a physics lab, but they're so close to Central Park. So I did ask my brother, who was a oh, theoretical physicist. I assume they were like in NYU or something. Yeah, he. my brother says, actually, I was about to do a shy voice. He, actually, NYU has some very good experimental physics groups. Oh. And then he started listing them for me. The did, various, you, uh, did you ask him about the the scientists that they are going to study under? Oh, those names? Yeah. 
No, I didn't. I I actually didn't even write them down, which is a very bad job. Uh, I googled a couple of them. They okay. they uh, the two I, I found two of them that appear to be real names at least. I oh. I I have no idea if they were if it's a coincidental and like whether or not the the like it, it wasn't obvious to me that the the two that had Wikipedia pages were like in the same discipline at all. So, yeah. Like, Hold on, really... my, my brother is currently typing to me as we speak. So give me the names oh. and I'll ask him. Okay. Or I can I I, I can click the script. It's Lifson L F S O N. Yamaguchi and Flinch. Lifson is Israeli. Okay. So decidedly doesn't is not in Minsk. Yamaguchi, I think, was Japanese, and Flinch I couldn't find. Okay. Well, why don't you text with him and when we get up to them, you'll fill us in. We don't need to do that. We could continue. Um so she's like, Well, if you have something important to talk about, why don't you tell the entire coffee shop what it is? Um, and finally, David's like, well, I would, I, what I was just telling my friend Max is that you are the most beautiful woman that I've ever seen. And Max said that he thinks Daryl Hannah is more beautiful. And I said that I agree that she was very beautiful in Splash, but less so in Wall Street. But she's more of a conventional beautiful. And you have some other, you know, amazing quality that uh, goes beyond that. And uh, Phoebe, of course, is um, completely charmed by this and uh, basically cancels the rest of the show so she can go talk to David. Mm-hmm. The funny thing about Hank Azaria is, in my head, I think he's bigger than he actually is. I agree with that also. Yeah, when I looked at his Wikipedia page, I was like, oh, this, he's not in anything. <laughs> yeah, and um, and yeah, when we get to the, the Tom Selleck Club later. Oh, not um, even close. <laughs> yeah, like, or even we can do the Tom Selleck Club now, I guess. Who's he? He's somebody. What about me? You're nobody. Why him? Why not me? He's good. You're not. Where's Richard? Your boyfriend is so cool. Really? Yeah, he let us drive his Jaguar. Joey for 12 blocks, me for 15. Wow. <laughs> he must like you the best. I mean, yeah. to me, he's by far the most famous for The Simpsons, which kind yeah, of so hurts his, but that hurts sure. his cause. That was the pre- just a voice. So he's done five years of The Simpsons, but that's a voice actor, and so his yeah. face may not be famous. And right. his, with the glasses and the hair, he doesn't even look like himself here so much. He was in Quiz Show, which came out just a few weeks before this episode. Right. He was sixth build in that movie. So yeah, not a star, but not you know not not a star. I guess he's a little bit known. Yeah. Oh, I saw him. that's what I saw him in. I saw him in uh, I think on Broadway in uh, the Aaron's in Aaron Sorkin play. Um. Yeah. What? Yeah, a, what... By the way, I I did ask Shai. It's just very funny. I said, "Are you familiar with Livson, Yamaguchi, and Flinch?" <laughs> yeah. So he said, "No. Who are these?" <laughs> so I said, "Allegedly physicists." So he says, "Where did you hear these names?" <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed to say an episode of Friends, but I will. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, you'll you'll keep us updated. Yes. Okay. Um. So yeah. So we we get a little time lapse. We see that now it's really getting um. The the whole time on this episode is very confusing, right? Because it's like, I don't even really understand how long Phoebe and David are together here for. But fine, whatever. Um. Rachel's, you know, can't believe that um they haven't kissed yet. You know, as we're um decorating the trees. And as you uh, said about my balls in the opener, by her sixth date with Paolo, he had already named both of her breasts. Yeah. Now, it is impossible that they have been on six dates already, right? Because well, that's what I'm getting at. I don't really understand. Well, they, they maybe they're going days, out of a They met a few, a few days before New Year's. We know that, right? It, 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 it's got to be after Christmas because... But they're decorating a tree in this scene. Okay, so it's right before Christmas, you're saying. It seems like it. 
Okay, but but now again, it, but they've right. got six dates in this small window of time. And, and well, if it's two weeks, if it's two weeks, it's fine. Like for the six are they days, going part. out every day, every other day. Maybe it's, it's they're really into each intense, other. I guess. Yeah, they're very yeah. into each other. Yeah. By the way, just calling a bullshit on Joey and right before this, he says there's no room for milk, but you can quite clearly see below the rim of his large yellow cup. So, <laughs> Joey, um, you are alive. I thought when I when that scene was happening, I thought Rachel was going in for the LD nose dip mm, into that yeah. cup. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why? Why is she doing that? I was like, oh, okay, she's drinking it. <laughs> with the nose touch um phoebe goes on to talk about how david is like so methodical she finds that romantic and she reminds him of the guy that she went to see an officer and a gentleman with only he's smarter gentler and sweeter mm. and she's just like really into him she wants to hang out with him all the time and night and day and day and night and special occasions and chandler's like wait a second you want to bring him to new year's don't you and she admits that yes she does she's she wants to break the no date pact and chandler's like all right i'm fine with it after all i already invited janice and they all go crazy on him ross most of all because ross is like the the one that really has like nothing going on um and was like really counting on this pact it seems like well, but also because i mean chandler's the one who initiates the yeah, pact and insists right. on the pact. he's like it was your pact he's yeah. like i cracked under the pressure <laughs> uh, and he reveals that he's uh he's invited janice which Monica comments that like, oh my God, that's horrible. Like you had the worst breakup in history, which is not true. Not unless, at all what we saw. Unless Phoebe, there was a subsequent. Phoebe made it a wonderful dream. Unless they subsequently got back together and broke up in between then and now, which is now, entirely if, if not for Phoebe, it might have been very bad. Right. Um, yeah. So he's like, like, and he's like, I told you already. I snapped. Like he's like, yeah, you don't need to keep explaining to me why this doesn't make sense. Um. So uh, Joey comes in in the elf outfit. Chandler must mock Joey. And it, it was weird. So this is interesting. So maybe there was a deleted scene because this scene almost plays like there's like some sort of bet at play, right? Where like Chandler's like not allowed to make fun of Joey. And like Joey is like almost like egging him on like he wants him to make fun of it. Like I didn't really understand the dynamic between them in this scene. Like it was still funny, but like. Like, why is, like, Chandler, like, have to, like, resist the urge to make fun of Joey? Like, just, like, just make fun of Joey, like you always do. Yeah. Well, I mean, th this is the relationship that they have between each other, I feel like. I feel like the relationship is he would have just mocked him, like he does later on the episode, where yeah. he's like, it's like, I don't know how to tell you this. Oh, it turns out I do know how to tell you this. Like, yeah. Why would um, he just, like, have said the jokes instead of saying I have so many jokes? Well, is, isn't that kind of the joke, though? Like, oh, there's so many, you know, so, and sometimes people do this, like, you know, I, I'll ignore that softball and move along. It's almost your uh -huh. way of saying, like, oh, I can make a lot of jokes here. Well, we, then actually, why did you just make one? Yeah, right. If you were, yeah. there were so many to make. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't, as an, I know all of them, of course, but why don't you give me one example of the many that exist? Yes. Um. So Monica is very annoyed because Marcel has just, like, been making a huge mess. Um, but Ross doesn't want to leave him alone because, you know, they're, they're going through a little bit of a rough patch. They had a fight this morning. Oh. Ross said some things. Marcel threw some feces. You know how it is. Normal stuff. Yeah. Not a com not completely insane behavior. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Ross kind of thinks it's because, you know, he's been working late. So they just like haven't been around so much to spend time together. And Chandler's like, well, you know, if you want, like I could go check in on him and like, you know, spend some time with him so that way he doesn't feel like he's alone. And Ross is like, oh, that would be so nice, but like, it would be great if you could just like act like you're there genuinely for Marcel and like not as if you're doing a favor for me. 
uh, because like I think that'll like mean more to him. And Chandler's like, okay, but if he asks, I'm not going to lie. Which is great. Yeah. So in my head, it was like romantic. Um, and the way yeah. Ross's acting is romantic, but the way Chandler's acting is more like, um, you know, I'm checking in on your kid, not your right. spouse. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, because um, it'd be weird to say, I'll, I'll check out on your spouse when you're away. <laughs> yeah, so I would say while Marcel might be the monkey, Ross is the only one acting bananas here, right? Like, it's just, uh, I don't even know what, like, like we're supposed, like, are we supposed to think, like, already, like, Ross, like, Ross becomes, like, very crazy in the later seasons, but, like, the whole Marcel thing is, like, early insanity. Yeah. Um. Yeah, again, I think it's, you know, they're trying to choose the ratings, and so Marcel yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, so we head over to David's lab. Um, we won't be seeing much of David's lab going forward, but, uh, for this episode we will. And, um, you know, he's like talking, like, he's like talking all this like science stuff to her. She obviously couldn't give a crap. And she finally like breaks the awkwardness and she's like, so like, are you looking to ever kiss me? Um, it's actually, um, kind of cool. I saw, I saw this mentioned and then I saw it when I subsequently watched the episode, their names are like written out on the chalkboard um in like weird lettering it says like david at plus phoebe um and that's like right under that is where then he writes out y-e-s to you know answer her question which i thought was super cute um, that, that is i was trying to study the blackboard or the whiteboard um but i i didn't pick up on anything in particular yeah so he's like yeah you know i really want to of course you're so beautiful but like now it's like been built up into this whole big thing and the longer i wait the bigger of a deal it's become um now like it just almost needs to be this like crazy passionate thing where like we're like i throw everything off the table and then like chuck you on and then we like make out on the on the lab table and she's like okay so then let them do that no david's and... right you should start the first date every time by having sex get out of the way <laughs> don't build it up into anything have sex and then go get coffee or right or yeah take all yeah take all the tension off you know just yeah. take it off the plate yes exactly um and then, um, but that's so like, he's like, he's going to be, he's, he wants to, but then he's like, oh, but like, this is like a really expensive piece of equipment and this was a gift. And, um, then he's like, well, you know, maybe like, do you actually want me to throw you? Or maybe like, you could just like hop up. Uh, cause you know, he's just like, not like the sweeping sort of fellow. And, but it all works out. They enjoy their first kiss. It looks very lovely and things are great. And things will only continue to be great. So we head back over to Central Perk, where we find out that the the no dating pact is not going super great. Um, Paolo is catching an earlier flight, and we'll be now be back in time for New Year's. Monica invited Fun Bobby. Um, sorry, she says Bobby, and like uh, Chandler's like Fun Bobby, <laughs> or I don't remember. Maybe Joey says it. Whatever. Um, and Joey has met a single mom named Sandy through his new gig, and he will be bringing her. As a result, Ross is the only one without a date for the New Year's Eve party. Poor, poor Ross. Yeah, I do. I do like this. The whole, um, the, the whole like no date pact and how it, it slowly unwinds for them because you know none of them could help themselves to commit to it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but they're acting as if it's Valentine's Day. Like you must have a date for this party, which is. Uh... Weird. Yeah, not um, a lot, but I, I mean, I get the urge that you want to like just like not be alone uh, at a party, and especially like a New Year's party where it's like you know whatever. Um, but, but, I get but, but, but again, but why New Year's more than Christmas or, or Thanksgiving or any other part? I, I don't get that at all. Well, there is the kiss someone at midnight thing, which it, again, it doesn't have to be a romantic yeah. partner, but like it's I don't know. like I feel like it's just like a lot of people will just feel very secure going into New Year's, like knowing that they have that lined up. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I feel like you go out on New Year's to find that also. 
yeah, you, you, know, I guess. You, go, you go with your friends. Uh, you know, anyway, I don't know. I guess. Right. Fair. Um, to make matters worse, Marcel has been shutting him out. And by the way, um, as with every party that the, that the gang will throw, there will be plenty of uh, other very attractive uh, people of, of, of all different gender identities at this party that um, <laughs> never get mentioned that we never see. Yeah, that's true. But they're, they're good buddies um, available to come to a party at a moment's notice. Yeah, it also like it doesn't really make I guess once everybody paired up, then they made the party bigger because like originally the idea was like the six of them are just going to have dinner. Yeah. Rather than like making New Year's a thing. Yeah. But then um, once they're start, yeah, then they throw a big party. Did they tell everybody else can't bring couples? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's un- it's unclear what the rules are at this yeah. party. Uh, Marcel's been moping around the house and uh, Chandler's surprised because like he was great when he when Chandler was over the other night. Yeah, I mean, that's because Chandler's fun to hang out with. Ross is horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, he even showed him that like juggling trick with the socks and the melon and Ross, like and here also it's like this is completely like father son, right? Like yeah. he missed he missed the new trick. Yeah. Um, and Ross this trick sounds no absurd. <laughs> if Marcel could do that, we would see it on. And maybe we will. I don't remember every detail of Marcel. Yeah. Um, Max comes running in, and he has news. The, him and David have gotten the grant, full expenses paid, and they'll be heading to Minsk for three years on January 1st. Yeah. And Phoebe's funny, like, Minsk? M- Minsk is a, is a, is a town that um, obviously famous from Seinfeld. But, like, how big or famous, famous a town from is Seinfeld. Minsk? Well, what I'm saying is, okay, well, we, <laughs> As Orthodox Jews, we know of Minsk because it's like a town that had like a big Jewish population. So there's a lot of stories that take place in Minsk of like our forefathers or whatever. Um, and then Seinfeld, of course, the beautiful erotic journey from Milan to Minsk. And then this. But like those are like the only two like, scientists erotic journey from the East Village. Yeah, but, the, but I'm saying like, is Minsk like a huge? I really don't know a lot about Minsk, independent of uh, those three things that I just said. Well, I'll, well, I'll tell you two people who don't know anything about Minsk. Yeah. David and Phoebe, because yes. they both think it's in Russia when it's in Belarus. Yes. Uh, it has a population of two million people. All right, that's not a tiny country. Yeah, but uh, you know, but what did it have uh, many, many years ago? Yeah, yeah, probably fewer. Um, it's the eleventh most populous city in Europe. Yeah, that's that's big. Yeah, that's that's pretty high. Yeah. Okay. Um, outside top all right. I, I have the I have the historical population. <laughs> awesome. So outside. in nineteen, okay, there was about one point six million in this time when uh when they're, they're headed there, on friends. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, in uh, in 1944, the population was 50,000. I wonder where all those people went. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, uh, a few years before, it was 300,000. So, uh, yeah, a lot, lot, lot of people uh, magically disappeared. Um, yes. Um, For more than half the population yes. of the city, the percentage of Jews dropped to less than 10 percent. Yes. Um, yeah. So it was a majority Jewish city. Um, but uh, yeah, now it's a. Uh, was was the beautiful erotic journey from Milan to Minsk? Was that see? I think I've actually asked this on Seinfeld. You should go from Minsk to Milan. You don't want to go from Milan to Minsk. That's the wrong direction to go. <laughs> oh, it's not right. It's not an upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah. Now I'm looking at pictures of the Holocaust and uh, Min- <laughs> Minsk. Somehow is... <laughs> we got there yet again. <laughs> Minsk is the pathway to the east. Yes. All right. Let's come back to friends. Yeah. Um. So we head back over to David's lab. And we find out that David is not quite so sure whether he will be going because, as Max puts it, he would rather stay here and make out with his girlfriend. Um, which, like, they shouldn't just be making out at this point, right? Like, they're grown adults. It's very chaste. It's very cute. Yeah. Yeah. Hank Azaria David is, like, the biggest dork ever, basically. <laughs> and Phoebe loves uh, it. Yeah. And um, Max storms out. 
because he would rather, you know, make out with your old friend rather than go study with Lifson, Yamaguchi, and Flunch. Do we have any update on this uh, trio of physicists from Brother Shy? No, basically, they are not physicists of note or renown. <laughs> okay. Is he is Shy Chester a physicist of renown? Oh, I should ask him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can Google him and determine for yourself. I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna guess now. I feel like I would know if he was renowned. Yeah. Well, I mean, renowned in circle in certain circles, obviously. Yeah. Right? Well, otherwise, when before his he roasted you, he would have been introduced as a renowned physicist. Yeah. <laughs> well, he he self introduced for one thing. So right, that's true. Yeah. So, but like David can't make up his mind, and he wants Phoebe too, and Phoebe's like, uh, okay, so stay. And she's like, he's like, his, stay. By the way, his his H index is twenty eight. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but when you Google him on the top, you know, like Google gives you information about somebody before like the results. Uh huh. Affiliation, research interests, and then above everything, the first thing on his on his um, knowledge panel is that his H index is twenty eight. So I have no idea what that means. What's my H index? H index is a metric for evaluating the cumulative impact of an author's scholarly output and performance. Mm. Okay, but um, I need to know. I need to know. Like, mine is probably some, very bad. Yeah, g- give me a number and who is what number, so that I know what that means. Right? Examples. Um, after twenty years, a successful scientist may have an H index of twenty. And oh, so that's pretty good. My brother has a uh, twenty-eight because he's uh much less than twenty years. Um, an outstanding scientist would have an H index of forty, and a truly unique individual would have an H index of sixty. Okay. Um, the famous. Pierre Chambon had 153, and we all know Pierre Chambon. We do? No, that was a joke. Oh, I see. The point is, these are all like the smallest <laughs> little circles. Like in physics, people are very big, and in, you know, in Survivor podcasts, people are big, and, you know, in the 32 fans patron chat, people are big. Everybody lives in their own bubbles and little worlds. Right. That's true. Yeah. So, yes. Um, I think our H index is zero. Mine is definitely zero. Yeah. Whatever the bad one is, or or a hundred billion, <laughs> whichever is the bad direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so um, I just didn't know that there was such statistical categorization of uh, of of scholars. Yeah. So what do we think? We think that um, he like he like was hoping kind of that like Phoebe would let him off the hook and say like you should go to Minsk already here because like he kind of like. It's framed as like he's already made up his mind, right? Like the Max is like saying like we're not going because he wants to stay, and that. But then like when he's like you tell me what to do, and he says stay, he like he's like acts surprised. Yeah. So it's not really clear what David's actual like agency here would dictate, like what what he actually wants. Well, he's trying to get someone else to make the decision for him. So right, right. I guess just like he does with everything. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I mean, I guess, uh, well, yeah, let's just wait till the end to talk about this uh, dilemma and what's ultimately decided. Um, so we cut to the party, a room full of shiny, happy people. Almost everyone is with their dates, but things don't go quite as well as expected. Um, so I guess let's, uh, we can tick these off one by one. We have uh, Joey, whose date, the single mom, is coming, you know, in full form as the mom. She's brought her two kids. 
And throughout the night, uh, even though Sandy has no problem talking dirty, she's talking about how he, uh, he's the first elf that she ever mentally undressed. Um, she's like, she's like all over him. She's, you know, as we'll see, she's just like extraordinarily thirsty, right? Like she just wants this to happen on this. New yes. Um, but like, he just like can't figure out how to like get the muster to kiss her in front of her, her kids. So like, it's just not happening between these two. Um, yeah. and she'll actually, en- she'll end the night in Monica's bed with Max. Yeah. So it's not a completely lost cause for Max. Yeah. Um, Ross's date, of course, is Marcel, completely normal. Uh, Monica's not happy because the last time that Marcel was here, he seems to have urinated on her coffee table. And um, Ross is like, well, he was, you know, you, you should be like crediting him with how brave it is for him to come back here. <laughs> the very apartment where he urinated on a coffee table. And um, Paolo has missed his flight. So Paolo was not coming to the party. Then he's coming to the party. Now he's not coming to the party. And somehow Rachel managed to get like her ass kicked like over a cab at the airport. It's very unclear what happened here. Yeah. And it's also like an impossibility because like there's there's like design cab lines with like staffers organizing it. You can't just like fight over a cab like, you know, there's a sequence and you have to stand on a line and then they give you a piece of paper and, you know, you can't really have a dispute like that. But yeah, the 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 level to which she is beat up is absurd. Yeah. It's and there's also, a deleted scene where, like, she's, like, also, like, loopy. Like, they have to help her get dressed. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's also so old school because, like, the idea that you went that you went to the airport and it was only upon arriving at the airport that you found out that the person you were picking up missed their flight seven hours ago. Yeah. I agree. Right? Like, that couldn't happen now. Yes. They, he'd be like, he would just text her and be like, I missed my flight. Yeah. <laughs> he would have seven hours of notice to, to yeah. not have to go to the airport. Yes. Um, also, it's like, I guess, like, how long was she there? Like, how when do you conclude that he wasn't on the pl- on the plane? At that point, yeah. I mean, do you go to the desk? Do they give that information out? Yeah, I have like, no who idea. Are you? Right. How, you, right. Girl how, who's, how many times has she dated him? Like, she doesn't have, like, how much information does she have about him? Yeah, and he and she's like the jerk missed his flight. Like, how does she know she missed his flight and like didn't get like kidnapped on the way to the airport? Yeah, he 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 had to have called her. But where? She leaves the apartment thinking she's going to pick up Paolo. Mm. Oh, so maybe she he's not on the manifest for the flight, and so the airline divulges. Yeah, but again, the airline can't divulge that. They wouldn't just right. Oh, who are you? Oh, I'm Rachel Green. I'm this Italian guy's boyfriend. Yeah, tell maybe me any, she call, tell maybe me Rachel, anything, tell me anything about him? him. I don't know. He doesn't speak English. I think Rachel must call him from a payphone at the airport. So she calls Rome and he picks up and he's like, "I missed my flight." Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Fine. And that's why okay. it takes a long time because he's got to get back home. You know, from the airport. That's the only possible explanation for her to know for sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Okay. We figured it out. Um, and then Fun Bobby arrives, but he's not so fun. Not so fun. Um, because his grandfather has just died, and everyone is very disappointed because they were expecting Fun Bobby, and they just get Bobby, very yeah. sad Bobby. It's also um, kind of insane that he like shows up in this situation, though. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's like his grandfather; he could just all go to the party and like. Whatever. But I don't know. he obviously can. He's like so well, sad and depressed and crying, me, and like right. this isn't this isn't his good Monica girlfriend, right? Like her party. <laughs> There's a girl that he went out with some long time ago. To broke up with and now apparently they're both so desperate on, on New Year's because everybody knows on New Year's you must have a date <laughs> um, I feel like it's like a little meta here not completely unintentional meta because it only is meta for people who have seen the show before and like know that there's a guy fun Bobby 
because like I had the same reaction as the characters when I'm like, oh, fun Bobby. And it's like, oh, that's disappointing. He's not fun in this episode. Yeah, obviously, we don't want to spoil for Alex Orvitz. Yeah. But um, yeah, fun Bobby it will return. Uh, yeah. Sandy and some of these others, maybe not so much. And um, fun Bobby will, 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 will learn more about him. He won't be so fun all the time. Yeah, well, I think he's only in one one other episode, so it's not like he's this. Uh, main the fun character. Bobby's in two episodes and is unfun in both of them. Actually, <laughs> terrible. Thing, um, I think he's, I think he's fun for part of the next one. And yes, let, yeah, no. Well, yeah. he start. Yes, he he starts he earns, out very fun. He earns his nickname. <laughs> yes, and by the way, when we get to uh, when we get to that episode, because that's an episode I think of all the time when they do the calculations. But uh, we'll get we'll get there when we get there. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, Ross does the calculations to determine who, or maybe it's Chandler. Anyways, right. We'll get there when we get there. Um, so then we got uh, Chandler and Janice, and things are going kind of just the way Chandler and Janice goes. Um, she's much more Janice here than she was the first time we saw her. Yeah. But she's also, it's a- weird how, like, like when Chandler told told the friends, I think it's Monica, who, like, the, the way she acts is so inappropriate. Like, when your friend is back to with his girlfriend, you have to say, oh, that's great. That's awesome. Right? Even if that's not how you feel, because otherwise, you know. Um, <laughs> but, Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but like eventually Chandler figures out that like Janice thinks that they're back together. This is not just like they're, you know, hanging out on New Year's, which like, of yeah. course she thinks they're back together. Like, yeah, I don't know what Chandler yes. was thinking was exactly. going to happen here. Yeah. Um, I think this whole episode would have made more sense if it was on Valentine's Day. I really do. Yeah. All right. Um, well, no, because then like you, there can't be any misunderstanding. Chandler can't say, oh, do you want to like get, go to go out on Valentine's Day? But I understand Day. the idea of that's a day that you really yeah. want to have a partner. Yeah, and you don't want okay. to be by yourself. You feel alone and losery. So you 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 call one of your exes just so you can hook up with them or go to a party with them so that you're not alone that day. And then afterwards, you don't want to call them again. Yeah. All right. I guess if that's something people do, I would think like a specifically an ex is someone like you wouldn't want to be with on Valentine's Day. But I don't know. I was never in this situation. I I never got together with an ex on Valentine's Day. You never had many yeah. exes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And um. Op she- kills the ball when he's done. With- <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Janice has two like very funny lines here when she does the the Janice camera thing. I laughed, and then when she ends it, when she's like Chandler Bing, one of these times is going to be the last chance with me. Yeah, it's quite a warning. Yes, and then she leaves the party without her camera. Oh yeah, very dumb of her. Now is this like um uh, the clock for uh for uh, George? Perhaps it is. Perhaps yeah. he's finding an excuse. <laughs> Bye, Janice. Costanza. Yeah. Um, I'm very, I'm very familiar with that episode. Yes. I played George. I played George in in that episode. Oh, you were George. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Costanza. Um. He's got a little uh, Marissa Tomei thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too bad I, does. Oh, too oh. bad I got a little uh, George Costanza thing. Going on. <laughs> Not bad. Um, although, so, yeah. although, although the guy she's with has a little bit of a George, uh, a George Costanza thing going on, right? Isn't it Larry Miller's character in Curb who she's with? In Curb, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah she, I has, guess. she has a look. Yeah, she has a look. Short, funny, bald man. Yeah. How is a man this short, this funny, and this? Bald? <laughs> but Chandler doesn't really fit into her, her look. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately for you, uh, yeah, you are neither short uh, nor bald. A little yeah, bit. full head of hair. Yeah. Um. I'm tall and fat. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Phoebe's night is the only one that seems like it has any chance of going well, mm-hmm. um, even though Max keeps referring to her as Yoko. Yeah. yeah. Entirely deserved. 
and from Max's then, perspective, yeah. Oh, for certainly from Max's perspective, Max Max has like completely been wronged here. Yeah. We've um, been together for years and years, and yeah, yeah. And like, and like, part Physics of it is pros before hoes, as they say. Yeah, um, and Max decides to tell him that whatever David decides to do, he's going. Like, he can't pass up on this opportunity. Which, like, why? Like, I mean, shouldn't that been obvious? That like, like, why? Well, like, so it wasn't clear. Was this research academic offer? Was this uh, for a duo only, or as a single? Was also available. I guess it's not really. Well, obviously, he's allowed to go. Yeah. So, and it makes sense to do what he's not going to stay, so that David could make. But out if with it Katie. is his research partner and best bro, maybe you know he does. He wants to go with him. So. I guess. Right. I mean, ideally, but yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, it makes sense for him for sure. Um, yeah. So he's still going to Minsk. Um, and this is where Phoebe takes David aside and tells him, you have to go to Minsk. You can't stay because of me. You belong in Minsk. You have to go fulfill your career. Mm-hmm. And David's like, I can't. What a sacrificial be- lamb, Phoebe. Because, you know, that would mean that I have to break up with you. And I can't break up with you. And she's like, of course you can. And this is just like tremendous tremendous work from lisa kudrow here i love 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 this scene uh where she like plays both sides so this breakup of like him like meekly trying to break up and her, your work your work um she's so so good here yeah um and he you know she tells him what to say he tells her that he loves her and that he'll never forget her and she says that she will miss him science guy and they agree that he should leave before midnight because they don't want to start the new year together if they're not going to be able to finish it. And it's a very sad ending. Very sad indeed. Um, so right choice, wrong choice, hear both sides. Like what should have happened here? I mean, if you've been working for something towards something for years and years and years and you just met somebody, you have to make a decision. Is this like a significant person in your life who you're going to spend a long time with or not? Um, uh, certainly the conservative, the the, the safer, the, the the quote unquote smarter option is what he does. But, you know, also, this is the start of uh, of lifelong relationships, possibly. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like ordinarily, like under like all things being equal, normal, like TV characters, I would basically 99 out of 100 times be in favor of like you like must pursue the like the career thing. Um, you know, you for just met this characters. person. I was going to say for TV characters, no, I, mean, I want to see the love. Well, no, both. I mean, just like I'm just saying, it's like because you, you'll, you'll hear what I'm saying for a second. Let me let me just finish. Sure. I would normally be on the side of like, yeah, this is the thing that you've like invested many years. This is like your whole future. Like, this is a person you just met. Odds are, this is like gonna, you're, you're going to break up in two months, three months, six months, a year, whatever. Like, there'll be other opportunities for that. Um, the story they're telling us about David, however, for the most part, I would say, is a story of someone who will probably have a lot more opportunities in science than he is, like, opportunities for a woman of the stature of Miss Phoebe Buffay. Oh. But that could be either way. Stay in the investment of what actually matters in your life. But yeah, but you're looking at it from the perspective of how many times we'll have a chance with the Portuguese waitress. With, you know, a beautiful, kind-hearted, excellent woman, um, this guy doesn't seem like he's, like, you know, cleaning it up with the ladies. He's probably very successful at physics. So, like, he'll be on next year's program. Yeah. That's that's kind of my thinking. Um, although I feel like the the Sandy and Max hooking up at the end kind of, like, throws a little bit of a wrench in that. Because, like, this Max fellow shouldn't be able to just, like, pick up women at a, at a New Year's party that easily. So Max is giving off a real Trotsky vibe to me. <laughs> the, the politician? Well, the look of Trotsky. Also, the boyfriend, the hippie boyfriend in Forrest Gump of Jenny, the one who ends up hitting her, who's like a bad guy. Yeah. 
but he's got that look sort of like the the the, the long dirty hair and the goatee um right i don't know i think he's got some uh, sexy vibes going okay fine. and we know how successful he is because he picks up sandy at the party so. right i guess just like the rest of the episode i think they want us to believe that these guys are like tremendous well, like nerdy David's losers the nerd max is the one bringing home the nobel prizes and the beautiful ladies yeah apparently so yeah what's yeah, his so... h index because his <laughs> index is off the charts <laughs> His B index. No, I said P. I said B. For bitch? Boners. Oh. <laughs> um, Chandler's still trying to salvage the night. That, that is how the episode started. I forgot about <laughs> Maybe he will uh, get that midnight kiss after all. Mm-hmm. He even tries to sweep a girl off her feet by telling her about the time he got bit by the key- peacock at the zoo. Mm-hmm. You remember yeah. when we had, when this came up earlier? Yes, we're back to the peacocks. Yeah, this was in the in the blackout, I think. This has been a very long podcast, hasn't it? I hope the listeners don't feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we stopped for a little bit in the middle also. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We took a little bit of a break. Yeah. Um, We're on a break, okay? Yeah, this happened with... Um, this was the thing that Phoebe said she was the last to find out about, that Chandler got bit by a peacock at the zoo. Yeah. Um, which is like very weird. This is like very like not like friends to like have like a, like a reference, like a, yeah, like a callback like that. Yeah. Um, it's to no avail. All six of them find themselves accidentally keeping the pack. They all strove so hard to break. Each is alone at the start of the new year. And nobody's in the mood to kiss anyone, um, especially Phoebe. Rachel is in no condition. And Chandler's like um is like, let's all like pair up. Um, but like with them out, then it's gonna be like only Monica's available as a woman to kiss. Well, she- yeah, well, Monica says, and this is hilarious to me, she says. Am I kissing everyone? And it's Joey who's the one who has to say, sorry, Monica, you can't kiss Ross. He's your brother. Like, neither Ross nor Monica would have objected. It's Joey who puts the kibosh on the incest. Yeah, I also feel like it's because it's been like a month since the show has been on. Like, like Joey has to explain there that yeah. she's his, that she's his, their brother. Well, to the audience and also to Monica and Ross before they get right. it on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, they need to be reminded. Yeah. <laughs> or else they're going to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but Chandler is, you know, still desperate and just repeatedly yells, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me, until Joey, in order to shut him up, plants one right on the lips, and their episode ends, which was, um, I imagine, a pretty risque thing for 1994. Um, oh, because I was almost thinking it was a little bit homophobic. Well, it, it, it's both. <laughs> yeah, that they're doing, like, the comic effect is, oh, my God, you know, sort of like our friend Aton managed to convince the Mets to stop doing that when they used to show the kiss cam. Right. They would yeah. show like uh, two players in the opposing team. The joke being like, "Ha ha!" Like you know, how embarrassing would it be for you two to kiss? And, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and to be Aton, fair, like every team did that. Yeah, and, and yeah, but but Aton led the campaign to get his team to stop. Your team, he did. Also. He did. He's a yeah. hero. Uh, a former guest of this podcast. <laughs> two time guest. Mm-hmm. Two times. Yeah. One time. Um, yeah. So definitely, no, it's definitely a homophobic joke. But I think it also, I bet, like there was like backlash of like the two men kissed on. Uh, like a network TV show. No, because it's front. for obvious comedic effect. It's not like Ellen and her girlfriend. Right. No, obviously that yeah. was, you know, I, I th- a horrific I think, I think, travesty. I think men were kissing um, for comic effect probably even in the 50s on TV. You think? All right, maybe. I don't yeah. know. I feel like they probably didn't even like let men kiss women on TV in the 50s. But the, almost that's why the man could kiss the man. Ah, I see. Yeah. Okay. Um, we had um, when I was in, uh, in, in the dorm in high school, in the high school we went to, uh, we had one dorm counselor who was very zealous. And so he came in and removed the posters from my walls because he said the posters were inappropriate because uh, there were there were pictures of women uh, in in, scant, in 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 scantily clad women is the way that he put it or I don't know how he put it. Sneas is probably the word that he used. 
So uh, my roommate proposed because uh, we weren't at the age where we couldn't have roommates yet. Um, why don't we just put a pictures of, of men in uh, in similar repose? And so we put men up all over the walls to see our, our dorm counselor's reaction, uh, this RA. And he came in and he had no problem with it. And he said, <laughs> ah, hypocrisy. And he said, no, that's OK, because they're men. So it's funny. That's what he said. <laughs> that was the claim. Men, uh, 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 men in swimsuits was funny. Women in swimsuits was inappropriate. Yeah, that is so, kind of funny. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't know. So, at the very end in our post credits, we have Ross rambling away, and he's he's talking like half about Marcel and like half about Rachel, about how you know mm-hmm. it's you know how much it sucks to love someone they don't love you back. Um, and she's like clearly not listening, and she says the bitch cracked her tooth. Oh yeah, he's my, he's my best friend. Um, who is your best friend? Uh, my best friend this week is pretty easy. It's David. Uh, Hank Azaria is awesome in this episode. He's he's so funny. He's so charming. I was like devastated when he left the Minsk. I wanted him to stay in my life. Um, so I could only imagine how Phoebe felt. He is he's easily the best friend. Yes, I, I love David. But um, I will give it to his friend Max. Hmm. He wins the grant to Minsk. He gets it. He gets it on with Sandy in Monica's room, no less. I mean, this guy is doing it all. Like this guy is having the p- absolute perfect holiday season. Um, yeah, although very, very rude party guest to uh, go have sex in someone's bedroom like that. Like <laughs> you're not in like a, a frat house in a, you know when you're 18 years old. So right. Yeah. You're a fucking asshole. That's what you are. Who is the fucking asshole? The fucking asshole is Marcel. But specifically, the feces that comes forth for Marcel's fucking asshole. So it's not Marcel, it's his feces you're saying. Oh, it's both. Okay. He who hurls the feces is responsible for the feces. Oh. Okay. So, yeah, I wanted to say, uh, well, I'll say this. Monica is saved by the edits because yeah. in the longer version, the following happens. And I think I need, I'm just going to read from the, tr- the script here because... Um, Oh, happened. you didn't do this at all. You were supposed to, you said you didn't do the whole episode. You're going to tell us where things were cut out. And then no. you brought, totally dropped the ball on that. Okay. okay. Well, I'll bring one in here now for the fucking Fine. asshole. So, so, so fun. Bobby says, um, it's going to be an open casket, you know, so at least I'll, I'll get to see him again. Right now that happens in the episode. Right. And then Monica says to him, Bobby, fun, Bobby, let me talk to you for a second. Bobby gets up and both him and Monica walk away from everyone else. Um, look, uh, I recently lost a grandparent myself, so I really know exactly how you feel, but you're really bringing the party down. Fun Bobby says, I'm sorry. Monica interrupts him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Places a noisemaker in his mouth. There you go. He bloises the noisemaker unhappily. There you go. So Monica is a complete fucking asshole. <laughs> her, her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend, or her date for the evening is in mourning that his grandfather just died, and she's like, nobody gives a shit. You're dragging down my party. Shut up and stop being mournful. I mean, that is insanely fucking asshole behavior, but if we're going to say that scene isn't canon, um, yeah, then I'm going to have to go with uh, Marcel, but, but not even <laughs> for the exact reason that you said. I think it's because just of a lack of gratefulness. Like, Ross adopted him, saved him from a life of experimentation and cruelty, and he won't even show Ross his juggling tricks. Yeah, like, well, he's a monkey. He doesn't have the brain capacity to understand what's happening, which is why the whole, Ross's entire treatment of him is insane. Well, but then you can't call him a fucking asshole because he he doesn't have the agency to be an asshole. <laughs> I'm saying he does, and he is an asshole. Yeah, no, he's definitely an asshole, yeah. and he and he ruins many episodes of Friends. So. <laughs> so he's an asshole for that reason. Then. Yeah, yeah. So the the actor who played Marcel, the the monkey actor, he should have refused. He said, "No, this guy's an asshole. I don't want to ruin your show." I think monkey. the um I think the monkey that plays Marcel is actually a female monkey, if I recall. Oh, I'm sorry for misgendering the monkey. 
Yeah. You're very canceled. The whole podcast has to be end now. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some steaks and eggplants. Why it's dinner for six, five steaks, and an eggplant for BB. Let's start with our, our poor boy, Ross. Okay. He rescues a monkey, but is still somehow the sad sack. Like no one at the party cares that he rescued the monkey. <laughs> um, he's the only one uh, who for no time at all in the episode gets a date. And then even his monkey ditches him. So my friend Ross, you are getting an eggplant. Yeah. All right. Monica. Um, we will I, later... I, I, I'll yeah. spare everyone the drama. I will be giving Ross an eggplant as well. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> so Ross is uh, uh, sweeping the, the eggplants today. Monica will learn later why Fun Bobby is so fun. And it will certainly take a darker turn. But for now, he's an extremely handsome and fun guy, other than when his grandmother just died, of course. Um, so I will give Monica a stake because she was able to rope in this very attractive, fun guy on New Year's, no less. Uh, that's quite a get by Monica, right? Mm-hmm. Fun Bobby seems like, uh, and we'll get to uh, comparing people to Alan in a minute, but <laughs> oh yeah. So so Monica gets a stake over there. Um, Joey gets a gig as an elf. He also uh, gets a MILF, so elf and MILF, mm-hmm. uh, although he ends up losing her. So uh, he gets a stake, all right? Chandler, um, you bring Janice back, you do not get a stake. So nothing for Chandler. Sorry. Uh, Rachel, I complained about this before. Her story just makes absolutely no sense. Uh, In the longer edit, she's having a bit more fun, and she may have earned a stake. But in the version that we see, she gets nothing from me. And so that means that Phoebe is going to go home very, very full. She writes a dozen new songs, 11 about her mother's suicide, one about Snowman. That's a stake. She dates Hank Azaria. She even gets that dork to sweep everything off the table romantically. That's a stake. And then she's mature enough to encourage him to leave her from Minsk, which is just an incredible thing for her to do selfless. That's a stake. A three-stake night for Phoebe. Congratulations. Yeah, and she's she's going to get a whole lot fuller than that. Oh, wow. Um, as I said before, like I think I think Lisa Kudrow is just like a tour de force in this episode. She's like very funny in the beginning. The song is great. And then yeah. I really think that this the whole like Phoebe-David thing that we get here is the best thing that the show has given us through 10 episodes, like this wow. little arc in this episode. Wow. Um, I just really think it's phenomenal. I think Hank Azaria hits it out of the park. I think Phoebe is just incredible. She was actually nominated. This was her uh, Emmy submission for, for season one for her supporting actress uh, uh, submission. And um, I think she's just like absolutely tremendous. She like dominates this episode beginning to end. And I'm giving her all five of my stakes. This wow. Week. A five stake performance. The That's Golden right. Sombrero. Has that ever happened before? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Wow. I, I think she deserves it. I think this is her episode. I think wow. this is her like so this real be breakout. What, what, what show. all are judged by ultimately? Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I guess you can only tie her right now. Yeah, um, and yeah, the, she the is uh, broken. Yeah, she is. She is dominating my. Uh, as it, I mean, she was tied with Rachel for number one, which is surprising to me. Yeah. Um, but she now has a commanding five stake lead, and she has no eggplants for me. I've yet to give Phoebe an eggplant. Um, I gave her one last week as an honor, though. <laughs> right, that's true. Yeah. Um, but you know, in the in the standings, they all show up the same. Yeah, is that the only eggplant I've given her? No, you gave her another one. Um, oh, two eggplants. I'm so sorry. Yeah. You've never given one to Rachel, interestingly enough. No eggplants for Rachel. Wow. Yeah. So I think Alan <laughs> will become the yardstick against which all future boyfriends will be measured. On occasion, we like to uh, say that all future boyfriends will be compared <laughs> to Alan, and that future is now. Um, Fun Bobby, in this episode, we learn all about him, or the only things, excuse me, that we learn about him in this episode is that he has great hair, a good nickname, and a dead grandmother. So we'll learn more about him later. For now, I think he's like uh, an incomplete, right, in terms of uh, how we compare him to Alan. Yes. 
Okay. Um, Cause yeah, I'm not going to judge him when he's in mourning. Um, Sandy, the milf, she brings her kids to adult parties, then leaves the guy she came with, took up with somebody else. That is sub Allen behavior to me. Do you agree? Definitely sub Allen. Yeah. yeah. Sa- Sandy. Yeah. All right. Now David's a tough one because I mean, you just gave uh, Phoebe all five stakes, but like David's just, I think he's a bit too hesitant and nerdy to really challenge Allen. Um, I disagree. I think he's above Allen. Um, because I think you also need to take into account who the partner is. And I think for Phoebe, I think David is great. I think that like they're, they have great chemistry. Um, I think they both bring out quality sides of each other. Um, I think Phoebe likes that like tentativeness. I think she likes being the one that's like kind of calling the shots. Um, but you don't think that once they get past like the, the, the honeymoon stage of this relationship, because right, they only date for a few days, right? I mean, they go on like a dozen plus dates. Yeah. It's, a it's, probably, a couple, it's probably a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, like, you know, he's like this, like, physics intellectual and, and Phoebe and Joey. And, and the shows are obviously very consistent. Sometimes they're incredibly intelligent. Sometimes they're like, you know, um, sub able to, uh, su- 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 you know, survive in society with how stupid they are. But um, I think that, that David and Phoebe might have conflict down the road. OK, so we're saying this is this a split decision? This is our first split decision. This is a split decision. Yeah, I, right. I say that David is sub Allen. Allen's okay. only downside was that uh, he hated Monica's friends. Um, all right. right, and then we, we have one more that we have to discuss, which is Marcel. Because, um, yeah, I don't think we're gonna do that. Yeah, as I look, I, Ross does talk. Should about we it make because, a separate tab for pets? Yeah, well, I think I said this before, but if I didn't, I will repeat Ross may be a sister fucker, but he is not a monkey fucker, so Marcel <laughs> does not apply. You're right, fine. Um, and on that note, else, wait, who else are we missing? Oh, because Chandler is a repeat, Janice. Got yeah, it. Okay, we, that's we, we, Janice is very sub out. Janice, yeah, yeah, Janice is yes. below out for and sure. Paolo as well. All right, is it time for the postman? Um, it sure is. Um, oh, because we already we already said Hank Azaria not in the uh, top yes. seller club. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Um, would he be today? Still not, but no, I think but he. No. I, but I think he has a better chance today. Closer, yeah, but definitely not. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's head to the postman. I think, and I'm not sure why this is the case because yeah. they're not really the, the same, except that they're both sort of a uh, tall, dorky Jews, I guess. But Hank Azaria, I mix up in my head with Jeff Goldblum sometimes. Mm. Okay, I hear that. I, I'm also a huge fan of Jeff Goldblum, by the way. Yeah, they have, they have a similar look. I hear that. Yeah, he's phenomenal in everything. Jeff Goldblum is very good. Yeah, yeah but I he agree. gives off more of a, like a, a cool vibe, which yeah. Hank Azaria certainly can, yeah. but in this episode, he certainly doesn't. Certainly doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Postman! Postman, come here! Tell the neighborhood! I guess there was some screw-up at the damn post office. <laughs> To tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the U.S. Post Office? No, more like U.S. Lost Office. <laughs> what are they, Irish? Hashanda! Maybe you should have given me some candy. You're a lousy Jew! We start off with Zachary Louie, who says, Hey, Alex and Av, it's been a while since I wrote into the Postman. But I Welcome wanted back. to say that I'm enjoying my friend's experience so far and even more thoroughly enjoying the podcast. Oh, thank you. As for this specific episode, I know that a midnight New Year's kiss is a well-established tradition, but is it really such a dire yeah. s- situation not to have one? Completely correct. The whole gang, Thank especially you. Chandler, puts a lot of stock into it. Even Joey and Monica, who seem to have no issue finding new romantic partners, act like not getting a New Year's kiss is some great humiliation. Also, I'm sure you guys will discuss the nonsense that is Joey's date, assuming that bringing her kids to a party is cool. Um, yeah, we actually didn't touch on that, because I think it just goes without saying. Yeah. It's crazy behavior. Yeah. I mean, you can ask, but you don't just think about asking, <laughs> especially these people are like, I mean, she's a little bit older, but like the crowd is like in their like mid 20s. It's not yeah. a child heavy uh, crowd. 
<laughs> yeah. Not as good as the Thanksgiving episode from last week for me. I give the one with the monkey two and a half moo points. Best friend is David for being an evidently quality physicist and for discovering that he may be more of a sweeper than he thought. Fucking asshole is the blonde planet with a pocketbook for beating up poor Rachel. And he gives uh, out stakes and eggplants as follows. Two stakes to Phoebe for being willing to do what is best for David, even if it wasn't what she wants. Two stakes for Joey, one for getting Chandler to shut up by planting one on him, and one for being able to pick up a woman while wearing that elf costume. One stake to Rachel. I'm 10 episodes into Friends, and I'm already sort of in love with Rachel. So she gets a stake just for being there. Okay. Eggplant for Ross. Poor guy can't I mean, even get a monkey alone. to like, like him. Uh, most of America was feeling that way in 1994. Yeah, Rachel was very well liked. Yeah. Um, as always, fantastic work from you both, Zach Louie. Thank you, Zach. Uh, glad to hear that you've uh, continued along on this friend's journey with us. You are welcome here anytime. Amir Bednarsh writes in and says, I never really loved the Marcel, Marcel storyline, although hmm. the Ross emotional stuff did work pretty well in this episode. However, other than Ross and Phoebe, it's really lacking in terms of storyline for the other four characters. Also, we can agree that Phoebe initially telling the guy she just met to not go to Minsk is insane, right? Is insane, right? I read that completely wrong. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I get it. We, we talked about that. I mean, I think yes, under normal circumstances. But uh, I, I kind of think David's a loser, and this is the best he's ever going to do. So he should go for the girl and hope for the best with the signs. Yeah. Um, I guess we can. I I don't know what, what our policy with spoilers is. Um, Hank Azaria will return on this show. I guess we yes. we won't say when or where and how much, but we, we will say this is not a series uh, wrap for Hank Azaria. Um, I will also say that Hank Azaria has a line in a subsequent episode that I use all the time because I think it's very, very funny. Uh, but you'll have to wait to find out what it is. It may be a few episodes. It may be many years. No one knows. Well, some people know, but if you don't know, yeah, many well, people know. Yeah, many people know. Um, and he gives the episode 3.2. Uh, a few notes. It should be noted that while it was legal then, it actually became illegal to own any primate in New York, given the dangers to public safety, as well as their potential to spread disease. Yeah, no shit. Don't own a monkey. Hold on, but but he said it was legal then. Yeah, well, then they realized. That's that's crazy. Yeah. However, you can still own a bunch of cool animals in New York, such as kangaroos, sloths, boa constrictors, and hyenas. Now, you mentioned Rudy Giuliani earlier in the episode. (laughs) I did. Are you familiar with the famous uh, Giuliani ferret rant? No. Oh, wow. Um, Okay, well, I got to share my screen then. I got to play you something. (laughs) Okay. Please do. Okay. Um, and I had a friend. Okay. Let me uh, hold on. Share the screen. Optimize for audio. There we go. Okay. This is uh, Rudy. This is Rudy Giuliani back again on the air. Rudy would host a uh, weekly radio show. That I remember. Yes. Where citizens could call in. Right. And a citizen will call in. And this is, by the way, before Rudy Giuliani was a demented man. Uh, <laughs> hair dye yeah, no, she was citizen. like a very, he was a pretty well-regarded mayor and a very successful well, U.S. Well, attorney. Actually, and- um, yeah, well, yes, he was a successful U.S. attorney. My memory of his ma- mayoralty is that he was having a lot of conflict with a lot of people um, and had a, a very mixed reputation. And then 9-11 sort of. Yeah, saved. I guess that's fair. Um, yeah. I guess maybe mixed is more fair. But I still think people thought he was like, you know, like normal and competent, even if they didn't necessarily sure, like yes, him. He, he was a much more respected figure than he is today. That is <laughs> yeah, even true. if people didn't like love, yeah. you know, everything about him, he was like, right. you know. yeah. Okay. So here, here he is on the radio. Here. Now we're going to go. We're going to go to David in Oceanside. This is 1999. So he's the sitting mayor. Um, you know, I said he has some supporters, some detractors. I, this is starting to ring a bell now, but we okay. can we can continue. Giuliani, we uh, speak again. Hi, David. Uh, 
Let me introduce myself again, David Goodhart, Executive President of New York Ferrets Rights Advocacy. <laughs> now, if, 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 just in case you can't hear that, because it's over, uh, it's the New York Ferrets uh, Rights Agency. Okay, we got the executive vice advocacy. President. I thought advocacy. Excuse me, sorry. Yeah. Uh, last week when we spoke, oh, uh, no. you said a very disparaging remark to me that I should get a life. That was very unprofessional of you. Here we're trying to get something seriously done without you talking over me. We're trying to get something very seriously done. David, you're on my show. I have the right to talk over you. But here's the thing. And the fact is... And, and the fact, and the fact, David, important issue taken care of where the city is violating state law. And I David. you last week if you care about the law. Yes, I do care about the law. I think so you have. Oh, really? Do you? Absolutely misinterpreted <laughs> the law because there's something. You try a coup. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Correct. He does not care about the law, Giuliani. I'm on Team David. No, there isn't, sir. You, the, law a, the, the excessive... The law you don't follow Georgia law either. Ferrets ...is something you should examine with a therapist. Sir, understand it. Well, first Not with me. Don't go insulting me again. I'm not insulting. I'm being honest with you. Maybe nobody in your life has ever been honest with you. But this excessive... Now, now that is a, a very ironic thing for Rudy Giuliani to say. <laughs> no one in your life is being honest with you. Because uh, that's something that we wonder about him at this point. More sane than you. David, there is something, there is a serious, there is, David, this conversation is over, David, thank you. There is something really, really very sad about you. You need help. You need somebody to help you. This excessive concern with little weasels is a sickness. I'm sorry. That's my opinion. You don't have to accept it. There are probably very few people that would be as honest with you about that, but you should go consult a psychologist or a psychiatrist and have him help you with this excessive concern how you are devoting your life to weasels. There are people in this city ferrets? and in this world that need a lot of help. What? Are they ferrets, not weasels? Those, yeah, those yeah. Different yes. Um, yes. There's something that has gone wrong with you. Your compulsion about it, your excessive concern with it is the sign of something wrong in your personality. I do not mean to be insulting. This is very obnoxious to say I'm on the radio. To be honest with you, and I'm trying to give you advice for your own good. You have a sickness. And I know it's hard for you to accept that because you hang on to this sickness. And it's your shield. It's your whatever. I, you know, you got to go to somebody who understands this a lot better than I do. He needs a whole team, not just uh, 75 bucks a week. And I know you're real angry at me and you're going to attack me. But actually, you're angry at yourself. And what you're, you're, you're afraid of what I'm raising with you. You know, you need help, and please get it. Now we're going to move on to Richard in the Bronx. Now, um, <laughs> so say so, so. This was twenty years ago. Rudy, uh, completely excoriating this man who uh, enjoys ferrets. My friends Yaffa and Dave, who um, lived in Manhattan for many, many years, uh, in the Bronx, and and then earlier than that, and then after that in Manhattan, they had ferrets. They had ferrets in the Bronx. They had ferrets in Manhattan. They were very cute ferrets. And I sent Yaffa uh, this clip once upon a time, uh, thinking it was very funny, and she did not appreciate the humor at all because she thought that Giuliani was a uh, was a bigot, an anti-ferret bigot, hmm. um, uh, mixing up ferrets and weasels as if they're interchangeable. Uh, a rabid anti-ferret. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think Yaffa was ahead of the curve on Giuliani being someone you should be very, very, very concerned about. <laughs> very smart, Yaffa. Yes. Um, Amir goes on to say, this episode has to be the inspiration for the Big Bang Theory, right? I can't find anywhere that Chuck Lorre mentions it, but it has to be. Max condescendingly tells Phoebe that Minsk is not part of Russia. 
is part of Russia. However, it's actually part of Belarus, not Russia, after the dissolution of oh. the Soviet Union. Oh, yeah, we <laughs> talked about that earlier. Um, okay, we go on to Elizabeth Berry, who says, in response to your previous podcast, I'm a bit of a friend's historian. I'd be happy to come on and discuss the history of the characters anytime. Mm, okay. uh, I'd love to, love to do that sometime. Yeah, we'll take that um, offer. Also, the curb reference on claim to fame, one contestant's wine bottle is a clue is attached. Can you figure out who Monet is related to? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna share my screen now. Okay, oh, let's get this on the screen. Give me all kinds of it. And now you see this fellow, right? Yeah. And it's a Saturday Night Live and Curb Your Enthusiasm comedian. Mm-hmm. So that could mean Larry David, right? Is that who it is? Wait, I'm totally confused. I'm looking at a picture of this gentleman. That's not yeah. Larry David. Yeah, I think that's Monet, probably okay. from the show. Okay, but. He's probably one, not related to Larry David. Was Leon on Saturday Night Live? Wait, one. Wait, what, I'm very confused by this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't really understand how the episode, how the clue works. Yeah, sorry. I think each of these people is related to a famous person, right? That's the show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna oh, guess so that the, this this, this African American like, fellow with dreadlocks is probably not Larry David's relative. Less likely. Yeah. So what yeah. well, was Leon on? Uh, was Leon on SNL? SNL? I don't think so, right? Uh, with JB Smoove, you mean? Was he on SNL? Right. I mean, he's hosted right. SNL. No, but that doesn't count. But that that wouldn't count as an SNL comedian. I don't think so. Like you would say, someone's like, yeah, uh, he was a writer on SNL. Okay. Yeah, but I think Maybe. you'd say Curb Enthusiasm first, unless that makes it too obvious. Maybe put Curb Enthusiasm first. It's too obvious. I don't know. Well, let's see, JB Smoove. So we with JB Smoove. Yeah, that's who it is. Yeah. Okay. So name the most famous African-American person on uh, <laughs> yes, basically. Yeah. Um, I guess to it could be fair, have been... Not everybody, um, you know, on this show uh, has a podcast about her enthusiasm. Who was who was the guy that ate, eats the watermelons with him? Oh, oh Leon's friend. Yeah. Um, the big guy. Yeah, I forgot his name. I forgot his name. Also. So it could have yeah. been him. Yeah, that that, that would all. be a much, much, much <laughs> very niche. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Wanda Sykes at least give me Wanda Sykes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, there's not a lot of black characters on Curb. Yeah, it's a problem uh, with uh, Larry David shows, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you known someone who has a unique pet? Um, we have um, – there's a family in the neighborhood that we're friends with that their son owns like tons of reptiles, mm-hmm. like lizards and and such. Well, I mentioned you often, David, with the two ferrets. Right. Um, yeah, that's about as unique as uh, I think. And again, I think there's laws against. Now, my wife, of course, wants to get chickens desperately, and I'm always fighting with her. I'm, I'm anti-chicken. We have we we have friends who have chickens. Uh, fortunately, most of those chickens have been eaten by foxes. So, oh, excellent. Yes. Lucky especially the fo- especially with foxes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, chicken's delicious. Yeah. Um, my childhood friend just got a tarantula. What is your typical New Year's Eve plan? Um, yeah, I realized a long time ago that New Year's Eve is like very much a less is more night. Um, you know, hanging out at home with friends is like the maximum I'm going to do. And that's usually the best way to go. Like going to like one of these places and being charged a ton of money is stupid. Oh, we'll certainly go to a place is stupid. Yeah. But yeah, we go to house parties like people in our neighborhood have uh, parties. Yeah. That we go yeah. House parties are fine. Yeah. Um, but even then, like I'd rather small. Um, moo points. She says this is a replacement level episode. Three, three moo points. Best friend is David. Asshole is Marcel for throwing feces. Me and uh, Elizabeth are right on the same page. 
uh, mistakes. One for Phoebe for yelling at the rude performance goers and one for landing the guy. One for Chandler for watching Marcel and one for being generally funny. One for Joey for landing a job. And the eggplant goes to Rachel for letting the lady steal her cab. Could the lady at the airport also be the horrible woman from the laundromat? Oh, wow. This one was chasing her all over Manhattan. Rachel would have said that. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah, she would have realized. And guess who it was? It was the horrible woman. <laughs> That's her name. Yeah. Um, okay. Kyle King says, I'll start off by saying I remember hating the Marcel storyline. It's like the show was trying to jump the shark in season one. The episode was okay. I really like the return of Janice. Kyle and I on the same vibe here. Yeah, where we get to see her be full Janice. I really like the appearance by Hank Azaria where he plays Hank Azaria. <laughs> Line of the episode was Chandler saying, I know a fun Bob. And he gives the episode 2.75 moves. Questions. How old is too old for a roommate? Um, well, I, th- I think there's a parallel question. Maybe. 35? Yeah. I think there's a parallel question which has to be asked, which is uh, how re- how poor is too poor to not have a roommate? Like, if you live in right. Manhattan, right. you need a roommate because it's just very, very expensive. Unless, right. Yeah. So but maybe when you're more It could still be too old to have a roommate, just you have no choice. But because you can't afford it. So, so ideally, uh, in ideal circumstances, I right? Would say. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people, like in their twenties, they enjoy having roommates. Yeah. Um, but then there's a certain point, and I would say it's probably you know different. Most people, but it's like in your it's yeah. it's in your thirties, yeah. and Mid-30s, I feel like by early. forty, most people don't have roommates anymore, yeah. um, unless they had you know they just don't have a choice. Yeah. I mean, you and I have roommates, but we don't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we have a bunch of uh, 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 flatmates, housemates as well. We also don't have a choice there. <laughs> right. Um, Jim Crumley. Oh, Marcel shows up this early. While Marcel's arc is famous for being awful, he wasn't that bad <laughs> in his debut. <laughs> Jumping from Thanksgiving last week to New Year's by the end of this one felt a little abrupt, but so it goes, binging a show that originally had reruns. The no date packed plot feels clunky, but David is more fun than Bobby. Yes. Three and a half moves. Come with guy is David. While talking during Phoebe's set was a rough start, he more than made up for it the rest of the episode. The fucking asshole is Max. He's the anti-wingman. He gives the eggplant to Ross. He's got a bloody monkey. Wait, Phoebe the anti-wingman, but was his job to be David's wingman? Wasn't well, his job a... to be David's uh, physics? <laughs> right. So David's a bad physics wingman, um, and Max is a bad regular wingman. Well, but, but then Max comes to the party with David, and then he uh, gets laid. So it seems like... Right. Uh, so yeah. David is really the best wingman. Yeah, David's the best wingman, yeah. Yeah, Max was still there after, well, long after midnight. Yeah, yes. Um, Phoebe gets two stakes. She may have only been with David for a few weeks, but it still was a good Phoebe episode. Chandler gets one stake for breaking up with Janice again. So Monica, so he, yeah. But, but, but he also brought Janice in, so that's like an artificial way to cook your stats. Mm, true, true. Right? It, like that's like throwing the ball against your own uh, basket to get a rebound. I don't think that counts. Kick your mistake for uh, for breaking up with Janice. He, he started right. the episode with no Janice. He ended the episode with no Janice. <laughs> neutral on Janice's. Right. Zero. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Crumbly, you're all out of order. Um, Monica gets a stake for Fun Bobby being so depressed, and Rachel gets a stake for Paolo missing the plane. We go now to Zach Brooks. Is Minsk another Steinfeld ripoff? I've only heard of Minsk in those two places. <laughs> There are tons of eggplants to go around this episode. The bitch at the airport should probably get it, but I got to give it to Ross for getting a weird pet and burgeoning all his friends with his weird pet. Sympathy steak for Fun Bobby, steak for Janice for the Janice camera joke. Also, Ross seemed pretty disappointed to not get a kiss from his sister at the end. <laughs> Three and a half moves. And we end off with Olin Allen, who says, Oh, God, love this episode. And a wide range of great Phoebe fashion for me to admire, both now and undoubtedly in my younger years. 
Also reminded me the first album I remember buying was the Friends season one five season one soundtrack. Don't remember the police or shiny happy shiny happy people being on it. Wow. Some later songs do come up, but did have a few scenes, especially as Phoebe's songs. So remember these word for word. Also, the return of Janice, who finds joy and delight. Presume they were referencing a different breakup to the one we saw previously with Phoebe doing a fine job. Fun fact. Shiny Happy People was meant to be the original credit song instead of the Rembrandts. Interesting. P.S. for Av. That's a song that was more independently famous. Like the Rembrandts are famous because of Friends. Though this song was written for Friends. The the Rembrandts. The Rembrandts. Oh, it was literally written for. Oh, I didn't yes. know that. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. so yes, literally. Yeah, yeah, no, no, Shiny Happy People is a very popular REM yeah. song. Yes, yes. Yeah, but a million times more famous than the Rembrandts before yes. this. Now this is probably a much more famous song. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so he says that Gunther appeared uncredited not only at Central Park but also at the New Year's party. Wow, scoring the party to his beloved Rachel's house, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, he's making even less movies than Ross at this point, though. <laughs> um, two stakes, no surprise. Phoebe getting a nice boyfriend and some great makeout sessions. Two stakes, a surprise for me, maybe Ross. Moving on and getting past Marcel to live with, admire, and love this move. One stake goes to Chandler getting a hot kiss from Joey after having a hot Janice on another date and bonding with Marcel. And the eggplant goes to Rachel for terrible airport experience. Best friend is David, so charming with Phoebe, and definitely take her over Milan or Minsk. Makes a great part of an adorable couple, and the fucking asshole is Max. Partly, far, partly for trying to pull David and Phoebe apart, but more so for his terrible geographic knowledge about where Minsk is located. And he gives the episode four point eight moo points. Wow, very a very high score from Owen here. This is all a moo point. <laughs> huh? A moo point? <laughs> yeah, it's moo. All right, well, we've heard from the listeners. Why don't we share our moo points? Um, I'll go first. The, the Rachel plot just makes absolutely no sense to me. They randomly introduce a guy named Fun Bobby who isn't fun at all. Um, but New Year's is a fun holiday. I love Hank Azaria, so I'll say some pros, some cons. I will give it 2.9 moo points, which makes it the sixth episode for me so far out of the 10 that we've seen. Yeah, so um, I'm obviously much higher in this episode. I think I've made that clear. Um, there's there's going to be a limit to how high we can go because I think just like right off the top, like the the launch of the Marcel, um, I think we just have to start this episode from 4.5. Like that's just like the ceiling. Um, we, we just lose a half a point of field because of Marcel. Um, from there, I, I really think the episode is otherwise very strong. Um, I, I I hear like the like, you know the arguments about the little things here and there about like what works and doesn't work, you know, with the whole like New Year's kiss storyline. And the, but I I really just like like the characters there and like the way they all um, you know make the pacts, you know can't can't abide by the pact, and then by the end of New Year's they have have found themselves back into the pact. I thought that was just like really fun. Um, and as I said before, I think the the whole Phoebe and David's storyline is really excellent. I think Phoebe is just tremendous in this episode, and, and Hank Azaria is a great, um, great guest star. Um, I'm going to say the episode is. Would you say she's guaranteed tremendous? <laughs> guaranteed tremendous. Or guaranteed tremendous safety. <laughs> just guaranteed tremendous. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was um, Mr. Um, Tomahawk. Tom, what was <laughs> What's his name? Uh, it's the same actor who, yeah, yes, who yes. But, um, but I think he's playing in this episode. In that episode, he's just playing a car. Person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just a regular person, yeah. uh, Mr. Takahashi. Um, 
Yes, I'm going to say this episode is, uh, I'll say four moves on the dots. Um, really, really fun episode. Really, really strong. Um, limited because of Marcel. <laughs> what, Marcel really taking a beating? All right, so what's our overall then? So you said 2.9. Yep. I said 4.0. The audience said 3.26. So like kind of right smack in the middle of us. Um, and that is going to give an overall score of 3.39. Um, just behind the one with George Stephanopoulos, which was a 3.4. Don't you hate to be continued on TV? I mean, the whole reason you watch a TV show is because it ends. If I wanted a long, boring story with no point to it, I have my life. Uh, next week, we, as we discussed at the top, we're going we're to take a little break here. And let's talk about what's going to happen in that break, okay? So the we, we talked, I think, when we started uh, the season a few weeks ago, that uh, 1994, your uh, beloved Rangers have just won the Cup. Yes. Um, and uh, the uh, our beloved New York Knicks have just come off uh, uh, losing in the NBA Finals. Yeah, in seven games, um, very, very devastating. Yeah, I say our, of course, because the Knicks were my second favorite team. Uh, of course. Wolves were relevant. It is known. Um, and also, I deeply, deeply hated the Chicago Bulls. Mm. Um, yeah, so the 94-95 season was a particularly dramatic one for our beloved uh, reigning Eastern Conference champion, Knicks. And um, I think it's important to note that on the night um, that this episode aired, um, on December uh, 15th, the Knicks won. Oh, okay. excellent. Uh, then friends would take a three-week break over the holidays. And over those three weeks, without friends as the anchor, the Knicks would just go on this crazy wild uh, wild ride. Immediately after they win on uh, December 15th, they lose five in a row in late December with no friends on the air. Okay. Uh, the last of those losses in overtime in Chicago. Um, but then, lest you think, well, no friends, curse for the Knicks. They win four straight. The Knicks, uh, friends comes back next week with uh, the one with Mrs. Bing. And then they keep winning four more straight to make it eight straight. And then they win 14 out of 15. So wow. I don't know what's going on. Very streaky. Uh, they, 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 can't, they can't win with friends and they can't lose with friends and they can't lose uh, without friends. Uh, yeah, so very strange. But the bottom line is that we will wait three weeks until January 5th of 1995, New Year, New Alex, new Av, and a new Mrs. Bing. I will note, though, that um, although they call it the one with Mrs. Bing, uh, Mrs. Bing has been in the first ten episodes, also. But that's 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 a uh, that's a spoiler for Alex Orbitz, so no one explained that one. <laughs> but, uh, yes, uh, Mrs. Bing has been in all ten episodes, but the next week is the one with Mrs. Bing. Av, are you excited to meet another Mrs. Bing? <laughs> I am. I don't know if you remember this one. I certainly do. Yes. All right. Well, next week we shall meet Mrs. Bing. All right. Bye. Juice.